When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And thank Christ almighty. We made it, you guys. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I feel like we have been on this journey in inverted commas for about 75 years. I know. It's it's that Titanic meme. It's been 84 years. <laughs> very literally that. <laughs> but at last, it is Deadly Christmas Part 2. Oh my god, finally this five part, six part trilogy oh. is almost I, over. We're so close now, you guys. Just we, just two hours of us talking shit <laughs> and then it's done. <laughs> We're free of Jeremy um, unless he pulls a Mandy Farmer and like turns oh, up then. Son of a bitch. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> just like him. <laughs> I mean, we do learn that he has many, many other names hmm. in this book. So, you know, maybe he will pop up, but let's <laughs> hope so not. We've had enough of him. I mean, we had enough of him in the first, you know, three pages of him turning up and perving on Jessica. So, you know. Very (laughs) true. Which feels like it genuinely was about a year ago. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I was so much younger then. (laughs) (laughs) It is my 48th birthday this uh, next week. And I feel like I have aged... (laughs) Like 10 years since this started. <laughs> Jeremy, he would actually put years on you. <laughs> I'm literally going from one age to another over the course of this epic series. It's too much. Well, we can't start with taglines and blurbs because we did them last week, but we can describe from both an absolute dud and an absolute delight Ooh. because... We are, of course, going to describe the um, the Engl- the British cover, which is the one mm-hmm. we got here. And sadly, uh, Karen does not have uh, have this one. I don't know why I'm saying sadly. She has a much <laughs> better sad- one. <laughs> not sadly for me. Yeah, I did great. And I've got the American version here. And I'm having a great time. <laughs> well, I've been lumbered with this pile of shite. So I am going to describe it to you. It's a suitably Christmassy colour uh, scheme. Mm-hmm. So we've got the satin background, of course, but it's a sort of, it's it's a dark green, sort of festive. And then there's like poncettas, (laughs) the Christmassiest of flowers. Of course. (laughs) I mean, on this side of the Atlantic, are they even Christmassy everywhere else? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's some tinsel. (laughs) <laughs> that like looks like you get it at a pound shop. Oh, it's so like, what do they have in the press when they yes. taking these pictures? <laughs> there's some baubles. Mm. There's some fairy lights. Love it. And there's two $20 bills. <laughs> <laughs> Representative of the vast meal quick fortune. 
Forty dollars in today's money, I believe. <laughs> you get for inflation. <laughs> but from the ridiculous to the sublime, Cressida Burton has frankly surpassed herself. I was struck speechless. <laughs> speechless. Same. I don't know how you do it, Cressida, because every time we're like, I mean, this is surely the peak of the cover recreations. There's no way you're going to top this. And yet you do every time. Oh. <laughs> Karen, can you describe this oh magnificent, some some listeners ca- or called it on Twitter, called it majestic, incredible, mm-hmm. awesome, yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Deserved. <laughs> It's all these things. Can and you describe more. it, please? Oh my God. It is It is the, the little Jessica Sweet Valley High doll face down in pretty much the exact same position as Jessica on the like cool inside cover. I mean, it's funny. It's so funny because the little jacket that she's wearing, it's like, I think it's like the campus cool um, yeah. version of the doll. So it's it's it looks exactly like what Jess is wearing because I think what she's actually wearing on the cover is like the white Seinfeld shirt with like a red waistcoat but like at a glance it does look like that kind of like a varsity jacket so like perfect oh my god (laughs) she's based on the ground (laughs) there is a little Christmas uh, tableau beside her there is a Christmas tree there's like little gold and silver presents all wrapped up and most magnificently there is a roaring fire (laughs) Right, and perfectly placed in the background, like just looking like it's catching the Christmas tree. Uh, it's a fire it's on really an iPad. Boring. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, and it's just the perfectly set up iPad because thankfully Cressida did not, in fact, set fire to her house. Like we slightly <laughs> worried might happen. The little wrestler man is fleeing in the background, just like Jeremy. It's so good. Like we will retweet it again and put it on Instagram because it defies description. It, it is. It's, oh ast- it's astonishing. There's even a wooden floor because I think it's actually not an iPad this time. I think it is a laptop with oh, the flames in the background. Right. Um, I see something new every time I look at these things. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you know it's a great work of art. <laughs> but yeah, there's like a little sort of fake wooden floor oh on top God. of the, the the keyboard of the laptop and then the fire video in the background. It's so good. I, I seriously, we are speechless, and that you know takes a lot to make us speechless, Honestly, as you I know. Would, I would sooner spend the next hour and a half talking about this five-second video than the rest of this stupid book. Oh yes, because in case it wasn't clear, Cressida did send us a video, not just a picture of this work of genius. Mm, well, you see, you need you need the motion to capture the the movement of the flames. So oh. it's, you know, in a way, it's actually better than the original cover because it's yes. got the movement to it. It's, oh my God, I just, I cannot recommend enough that you find this image because we will be posting it and it's just, it's so, it's so good. It's so good. It is incredible. <laughs> and actually before this afternoon when we were arranging our recording time, I did say to Karen that we were just going to spend an entire hour talking about the amazingness of that tableau. Honestly, it's stunning. (laughs) Well, after this thing of beauty, I'm afraid we're going back to... God damn it. (laughs) We're going back to the deadly Christmas, in inverted Mm. commas. I mean, alleged Christmas. Come on. Thank you. 
I'm going to guess the Christmas tree plays a crucial role at the end. I suppose. But really, all, apart from that, it is the least Christmassy book of all the Christmassy <laughs> Sweet Valley books. <laughs> totally. I, I, don't, I still don't know why they even bothered making it a Christmas book. Yes! Like, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. But they, again, nothing makes any sense in this entire series. So, Oh, well, especially in the post-Margo era where, you know, all bets are full. <laughs> Truly anything can happen. <laughs> Well, you might remember, uh, listeners, that when we left these this gag of Egypts, <laughs> uh, Jessica had been told the truth by mm. Sue, but she didn't really believe it. So she decided she was going to spy on Jessica or Sue and mm-hmm. catch her with Jeremy. Yes, it was um, also because they were going to need some hard evidence because the cops didn't believe their story after Stephen oh, had recorded true. over the evidence with, we guessed an episode of Friends, I think was the yeah, consensus. We did. <laughs> So we begin the second half of the book with Sue heading out to her rendezvous at the mall. Mm-hmm. And we're told that she's not feeling great, but she is feeling a bit better than she has in in some time. Yeah. And again, it's all very confusing because she's oh. kind of happy that Jessica is pulling away from Jeremy. But Sue also isn't feeling great about her relationship with Jeremy because it's like it's like it's like she told her the truth to kind of so she could have Jeremy all to herself seemed like part of the motivation it's it's just all over the place nothing about Sue is is in any ways consistent even from paragraph to paragraph like it's bananas I think she did genuinely it was sort of implied last time that she did genuinely want to stop Jessica having Mm. sex with him like and not out of jealousy out of genuine concern because she knew that Jer- you know, when she realised that Jess- that Jeremy was serious about it remember she listened yeah. in oh that's right yeah yeah on the phone mm-hmm. but uh, so I think that was real but then her attitude to Jeremy just makes no sense whatsoever I mean apart from if we're expected to take this as she is literally it's a coercive control thing and I don't think they've gone that far it's sort of showing like, uh, shown as being she just can't quit him um, yeah. but she's acting like she has no choice. She sort of saddled herself mm. with him. Like she she heads off to meet him and thinks um, she'd committed herself to Jeremy to, and to his greedy, dangerous schemes. She had no one else to turn to, nowhere else to go. The words of the wedding vows they hadn't yet exchanged echoed in Sue's brain. For richer, for poorer, for better or worse. Sue, you're literally about to inherit half a million dollars. <laughs> Use that. Go to college, maybe, because you're only 18. And you're clearly an idiot. (laughs) You need all the education you can get. Like, I just don't understand why she thinks, well, I'm shackled to him now. Yeah, it's very like, uh, yeah, this is the thing, because she is, you know, kind of close to Alice and they're like her surrogate parents. And like, there's there's a good few people, it seems like to me, that she Hmm. could turn to. She could bring Sam Diamond in a panic. Like, there's just... I don't know. But yeah, it's very like, oh, she's gone too far now and there's no getting out. But it yeah. feels like there's lots of ways to get out. Oh my God, there's so many ways to get out. Like that you could literally get away with all of her stupid scheming and just mm. take the money and never see Jeremy again. True. Well, we cut to the mall where Jessica's in disguise. Yes, she's uh, wearing a baseball cap and her hair is all tucked up. So, I mean, who even knows who this girl is? Oh, my um, God. I think she's wearing sunglasses as well. Like, she is. <laughs> so yeah. she's very not suspicious, not a bit... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, looking obvious at all. Um, but yeah, so she's kind of skulking around uh, the meeting point, I think, that she had overheard Sue arranging. And she's yes. got Amy's camcorder with her. So she's she's kind of panicking because she's like, maybe this is too risky. Mm. She's like, maybe they won't show up. And then she's like, oh, maybe that'd be a good thing. Um, but I suppose there's also still a shred of doubt in her mind uh, that she also just doesn't want to see Jeremy and Sue together. Yeah. It's like, oh God, then it's all true. And he's been playing for a fool. And this whole thing is now extremely humiliating. So... Yeah. yeah, she's kind of pacing and a bit panicky about the whole situation. She is. And she hides behind some shrubs. And we all know that people in Sweet Valley do like to hide behind mm. bushes and shrubs. Oh, classic um, hiding place. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I guess these shrubs are in a planter because we are in a mall. But um, she's uh, she's concealed from, from the fountain where... Mm-hmm. Jeremy and Sue are meant to be meeting and uh, she sees Sue approach so uh, oh, first of all she sees Jeremy oh, yeah. um, He's so he's waiting at the fountain and when Sue approaches him Jessica gets ready to film she's got like the lid of the lens cap off the video mm-hmm. camera but then a mother with a toddler bumps into her and the camera drops Oh no, yeah. So obviously this plan has been foiled because by the time she kind of gets her act together and picks up the camera, you know, she's not hurt or anything. But as soon as she looks around again, Jeremy and Sue are gone. So she's missed her chance. Uh, So she's like, that dumb lady, they got away. (laughs) (laughs) But when she's on her way out of the mall, she does wonder if she subconsciously blew this opportunity on purpose. You know, she really doesn't want to... To 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 have proof of the, Jeremy's treachery, but she realizes the lack of proof doesn't matter as far as her heart is concerned. She now knows that Sue was telling the truth, so mm. she cries. No. So later, back at Jeremy's gaff, he and Sue have gone off from you know for a meal and a walk on the beach, <laughs> and he heads into the shower, and Sue starts wondering why she just doesn't feel right. She said when when he she thinks when he holds her in his arms and kisses her, it's all that um she he knows it's all she knows it's all an act. And then she realizes she's afraid of him. Uh, yeah, again, she keeps kind of pinballing around between, oh, but we're in love, and also there's no way out, and also I don't actually love him because he's a terrible person. (laughs) And the thing is, there's no suggestion there's no way out because she's in danger or she's Mm. being threatened. It's more like, what else am I gonna do? Yeah, very much so. Because like she does think to herself, she can't trust Jeremy and she's afraid of him. And it's like, what kind of basis was that for a lifelong partnership? Like, it's not one, Sue. <laughs> yes. And you know this, so leave. Oh, for fuck's sake, Sue. <laughs> well, the shower is still running in the bathroom. So uh, she starts going through his pockets mm. and she finds a plane ticket to Hawaii. <gasps> yeah, because apparently, uh, oh, she at first she thinks it might be uh, her and Jeremy's tickets to New York, because and then she's surprised by this because they hadn't even finalized their plans yet. But uh, yeah, she realizes it's uh, a ticket for one person, just for Jeremy, Uh-oh. and it's one way from uh, from Los <laughs> Angeles International to Hawaii and on to the South Pacific. <laughs> Where in the South Pacific? Who knows? (laughs) But yeah, so the flights are scheduled for like a week from that day, I think. It's like the following Saturday. Yeah. So she's like, apparently this is the day they discuss flying to New York together. So now she (gasps) realises that Jeremy is definitely just going to take off uh, without her and possibly take her money too. (laughs) Mm. So she starts uh, wondering, what else is he hiding from her? So she starts going through like his bags, doesn't Mm. find anything weird, like nothing in his dresser drawers. Um, But then she there's a plastic film canister and she just starts fiddling with it in a kind of nervous way. Yeah. 
then the top pops off, the lid pops off, and inside, this is extremely <laughs> convenient for the plot. Oh, <laughs> is a newspaper clipping? Oh my goodness, yes. So she she suddenly realizes, uh, quite upsettingly, that apparently it's a newspaper article about a wedding announcement. So there's a brief article and a photograph of the happy couple. So she sees who the groom is and feels like she's going to faint. She recognized his face. The hair was darker and he was a bit younger, but she'd know him anywhere. It was Jeremy. What? <laughs> so yes, but according to the article, the groom's name was Matt Thorne. And she's like, oh my God, what's going on? Because according to this, he was married to years years ago in Atlanta under a different name and she's just like what the fuck Jeremy isn't Jeremy he's Matt and she's like or maybe he's someone else altogether she's like oh god what's going on and then she realizes and this is actually quite scary that like the water has stopped running in the oh, background and yeah. for a second I was like oh shit so you better run <laughs> but she still has some time it's okay so she manages to kind of put everything back where it was I think she she holds on to the newspaper clipping but like puts the film canister back where she found it whatever drawer yeah. it was in so when he actually comes into the room she's just like at the fridge getting a, a can out of it so yeah. Yes. It's fine. But I was very, I was getting very panicky for a second there when oh. the water stopped. I was like, oh God. <laughs> now you see, if we were back in the Margo era, Sue would be dead. Oh, someone's getting a stabbing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Any excuse for Margo? Oh, look at it. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean, the 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 fact that Jeremy <laughs> Cut out and kept oh, a clipping of an announcement about his sham marriage. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like he just didn't think to bring his folder marked evil plans and thought he just <laughs> used this instead. My scrapbook of all my crimes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, he, Jeremy comes out and puts his arms around her and uh, we're told that before when Jeremy touched Sue she'd melted but now she found his nearness repulsive but she hides her emotions as uh, he's all like oh, our lives could be perfect we'll be able to do anything we've ever wanted with your inheritance I mean really it's half a million it's I there's know, quite a lot of things you can't couldn't do, like <laughs> buy a big house in Ireland. Like. <laughs> it's so true. Oh God. But yeah, so she's really having to just like pretend like nothing has happened, even though she's just absolutely freaking out. Because mm-hmm. she's also wondering like what happened to the girl that he married <gasps> back in Atlanta. She's like, oh Jesus. So she's really having to kind of just you know keep keep everything chill because because uh, he's obviously carrying on as normal, and she's just like, oh God. So when he's like, um, he makes a point that they've got to be more careful than ever apparently because they're so close now to the the home stretch, and we can't afford to blow it um, because you know nobody suspects anything so of course Sue then thinks about how she's confessed all to Jessica and she's like oh oh girl she's like oh yes I'm being very careful and he's like yes you've been terrific Um, but then Jeremy says yeah to keep your eyes and ears open for any sign that Jessica might be on to us and Sue's like why like why do you say that and he's like oh you know she's been acting funny lately because of course Jess now knows what he's up to so she's trying to act normal but pretending to be sick so she doesn't have to see him and he's like you know she's been acting weird blowing off dates you know he's like oh I hope it's just some stupid high school problem uh, for her sake and so it was like what do you mean for her sake <laughs> oh god <laughs> Jeremy oh god he's doing again Jeremy not being able to play it cool he's like <laughs> nothing is going to come between me I mean us and that money <laughs> Just saying the quiet part loud every single time. <laughs> Seriously, how did this pair get away with a scam for so long? And how did he get away with multiple scams? It's, I mean, 
he's really the least chill criminal in the world. Honestly, I remember him sniffing the money back at the casa. Like, just <laughs> not a clue in that fucking head of his. Two little marbles rolling around, one with money written on it. <laughs> oh, well, Sue says, so if Jessica finds out what we're up to, and uh, Jeremy shrugged carelessly, finishing off the can of beer. We'll have to get rid of her. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Sue is reeling. She is. Yes, it's all come crashing down. She's just like, oh, God, he's never cared about me, even a little bit. Like, he's a liar, an imposter. How did I get myself into such a mess? And now Jessica's in danger as well. So she's it's really all just kind of come crashing down on her now. But yeah. again, she's like, she's dug a hole so deep. How could she ever climb out? And it's like, tell literally anybody oh who's not a 16 year old. <laughs> God, so easily. Sue, like, tell Ned and Alice, mm-hmm. tell your bank, tell your, like, trustees, whoever's giving you this money, that, like, oh, you're being God. pursued by a scam artist. Yeah, I know. But, oh, God. Well, she Again, thinks, we, we're just going to have to make our peace with the fact that Sue's not going to do anything normal or rational and, all the way through this. Book. Yeah, this is true. Okay, we've, just, we've said it now, but just we've assume yeah. every time she does something else stupid yeah. that we are annoyed. It's like how we want the Wakefields <laughs> to just tell their parents all the way through this. they're not going to so we just have to get on with it (laughs) well well sue thinks jeremy wants the money all to himself and he'll stop at nothing even murder perhaps to get it is he planning to get rid of me too Uh (laughs) so later in liz's room jessica tells her everything about today's uh that day's adventure Mm. and in fairness to her like she is really determined to catch him now and she says he's she's gonna stake out his boarding house now mm. when they say boarding house i'm wondering could it be where margo stayed oh is there just the one boarding house in <laughs> <laughs> well oh, if he was staying in margo's like murder wall room that would, be, <laughs> that would be the one redeeming feature about this series <laughs> like why won't these dents in the wall they're like oh that was just where the serial killer like trashed her room and started chucking stuff around the place you know she just flung a chair against a wall as you do <laughs> stabbed a few holes in it yeah it's normal stuff <laughs> yes all those pinpricks of the walls are from her giant psychopath murder bo- wall <laughs> Wakefield's house yeah, just firing her knife into the ceiling don't worry about it <laughs> Well, Liz thinks staking out the boarding house, hopefully that one, is too risky. And then Sue uh, arrives in Liz's room and starts to confess all to Liz. But Liz's like, Mm -hmm. save your breath, Sue, no already. Oh, God. Yeah, because she's kind of talking about how hard it was to tell Jessica. And now, you know, things are so much worse now. But yeah, they kind of save her the trouble. And Jessica's just like, Elizabeth knows I had to tell her. (laughs) She's like, oh, God, okay. So now the three of us can go after Jeremy together. And they're both like what are you talking about? Like you and Jeremy are still a team by all accounts. Yeah. But um, yeah, but she she tearfully says that she's on their side now. Like neither of them trust her. And why would they? <laughs> in fairness. But she explains that she found the ticket that's just yeah. in his name after they had made plans to go to New York together. Um, That, uh, yeah, she reckons he's got some secret plan of his own to take her money and then abandon her or possibly even kill her. Um, <gasps> So she's like, you have to help me. Uh, and she says that she's going to turn herself in. She'll do whatever it takes. Just we've yeah. got to stop Jeremy, basically. Yeah. So again, the twins are like, why would we trust you? Jessica very subtly is like kicking Liz saying, I don't trust her while she's right there. It's like, she can do it. <laughs> She mouths the words, I don't trust her. Like, again, the lack of chill. It's 
so obvious. Um, but yeah, so they're like, okay, we'll show us the plane ticket. And then we will at least believe that much of it. But she's like, I can't show you the plane ticket, but I can show you this. So she shows them the clipping from the evil folder uh, for scrapbooking uh, all about his his uh, his wedding as Matt Thorne to Marla Tannenbaum uh, in Atlanta. So they both <gasps> see the picture and they're like, oh my God, he's a con artist. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe we've got a little Christmas tree. I mean, Easter egg is kind of not the right word because Tannenbaum is the German for Christmas tree. tree. I didn't even (laughs) cop that. That is the most Christmassy thing so far that's happened. (laughs) Oh, Tannenbaum. Oh, Tannenbaum. Oh, my God. Fröhliche Weihnachten, everybody. (laughs) Merry Christmas. It's still Christmas. Oh, my Christ. Um, So, yeah, this does convince them um, because, like, Liz did wonder if Sue, if this was like Sue doing a double cross on Jeremy, yes. but yeah. this convinces them that you know she's on the level, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they they Sue Liz realizes that the day that Jeremy plans to leave is a few days after Sue officially gets her mm. her. Uh, in her a real quick fortune oh, fuck's sake yeah it's all due to landing her account yeah on like a Wednesday or something so it's like yeah. yeah a couple of days after that is when it looks like he's making a break for it so Liz wonders what kind of twisted plan is he hatching and the girls look at each other their faces identical masks of dread <gasps> only one thing was certain the web of intrigue and terror was tightening they were in much deeper than they had ever imagined again tell your parents oh my god honestly <laughs> fuck's sake so dumb tell mr collins tell literally any adult <laughs> nope never <laughs> so the next day liz has a brainwave but she can't act on it until monday uh when they're back at school so she brings sue i mean who <laughs> is barely old enough to be out of school uh and jessica into the oracle office for good old info, Max. Oh, hell yeah. So, <laughs> so it's time to do some detective work on the internet. <laughs> so, yeah, so she types in Matt Thorne into um, InfoMax and then it's just the, the newspaper article that they already found. Um, so Jessica's like, oh, we didn't learn anything. It's all for nothing. And Liz is like, but don't you see, this is the only story that's ever been printed about Matt Thorne. That tells us a lot about him. Oh, uh, my God. It's because, 1994. Because like, it's super suspicious if you haven't been all over the newspaper. It was literally nothing about me <laughs> on the internet in 1994. And I'm not. older than Sue was. <laughs> but yeah, so they're like, this is proof that like he's he's you know got made up aliases, whatever, that he never that Matt Thor never really existed. Um, or that he just created the identity solely for this Marla Tannenbaum. So they end up doing a search for Marla on InfoMax. Um, and they discover then that she was a debutante in Atlanta from like this really prominent family and was mm. an heiress. So they're like, okay, well, this is why Jeremy or Matt took an interest in her. So then they're like, I think Jessica's kind of wondering then. She's like, okay, well, obviously he's not with her anymore because he's here. And she's like, you don't Uh suppose he killed her, do you? (laughs) But they realise there is no death notice. Like if this debutante had had died young, there'd been something. Um, So Sue realises there is a way to find out what... um, what's happened to to Marla Tannenbaum and her relationship with Matt, they could just rig her. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's some pretty solid action to take, I guess. So I think Liz, they head over to the payphone in the car. Yeah. Though, and Liz rings like 
Uh, rings Atlanta I don't know Operator get me Atlanta Directory inquiries Yeah <laughs> So she gets a number For Marla And she's half expecting Her to be unlisted But then the number Is read out So she's like Oh my god amazing So Jessica says That she's going to be The one to ring her Because um, they're all Slightly panicking They're like Oh god we should Make a plan What if she hangs up on us And Jessica's like Nope I've got this So she rings up Marla uh, And <laughs> She puts on this like really business-like voice because again, young executive, you know, this is just how these kids roll. Um, young executive, young executive, <laughs> she is a young executive. Well, in this case, a uh, young police officer. <laughs> when she gets talking to Marla, she introduces herself as Detective Belsky of the Sweet Valley PD. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, she says she's investigating a kidnapping and thinks she thinks uh, they have reason to believe that Marla might know something about the whereabouts of their chief suspect, mm-hmm. Matt Thorne. Um, so we don't hear Marla's side of the story, but we mm-hmm. hear Jessica responding and we learn that um, she never, Marla uh, never filed charges against Matt Thorne and hasn't filed for divorce, insanely. Mm. Um and when she hangs up, she tells the others that Matt and Marla were married after a whirlwind courtship. Uh, he seemed interested in the same social causes as her. They were working together on philanthropic projects. And mm-hmm. Jessica sort of looks at Sue, who's like blushing, like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently right after their wedding, uh, after the whirlwind courtship, he talked her into putting a huge piece of her fortune into a foundation for their future philanthropic work. And then he ran off with cash. <gasps> yeah. And she never heard from him again. So he disappeared without a trace. Um, so then uh, they're wondering why they didn't see anything about that on Infomax. But uh, Jessica reveals that apparently Marla was too humiliated by the whole thing. So the family never went public about the story and they've kept the whole thing under wraps. So they're just like, oh, my God, like this is a proper scam, basically. And then Sue is wondering if he took all that money from Marla, why he needs her money. But Liz is like, well, he's a career criminal. So maybe he either spent all of Marla's money or he just wants more. But either way, like you were a if it wasn't going to be you, it was going to be somebody else. Um, so Sue just fe- feels like a total idiot. Well, she might. But, <laughs> and in fairness, if he's only going for 500 grand, he's going to run out of mm. that money if he's living high on the hog. He's going to need to find another <laughs> mark soon enough. Very true. <laughs> so um, they don't know what to do next. And Liz says, look, we're going to have to wait for Jeremy to make the next move. And Sue knows whatever happens is going to happen after she gets her inheritance and, mm-hmm. you know, before he heads off on his one way ticket to Hawaii. So Liz says they'll just have to keep up the charade. Mm-hmm. And that means both Sue and Jessica will both have to pretend you're still in love with Jeremy Randall. Gross. Ugh. <laughs> So later, Jessica comes home from cheerleading practice and she's delighted to find a box from a florist in the kitchen. Dion excitedly opens it, wondering who sent it. How does she not think of the correct answer straight away? <laughs> it's so obvious because, of course, it's from Jeremy. There's a little card as well that says, Dear Jessica, you made it to school today, so you must be feeling better. I hope tonight will be the night. All my love, Jeremy. So, of course, as soon as she reads this, she just feels absolutely sick. And she's just like, oh, oh God, the smell of the roses is just overpowering and sickening now. Uh, she looks at the, the gorgeous flowers and all she can see is their cruel thorns. <gasps> Matt Thorn, she thought. <laughs> 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 so she so, shoves the like lid back on the box sprints next door and jogs over in her time machine I guess to mm-hmm. Mrs Beckwith their next door neighbour <laughs> who apparently in this universe did not sell her house to I mean, Annie and Cheryl's 
Bob and dad. It was a whole thing. Annie and Cheryl moved in next door. Their parents literally had a wedding in that backyard that the (laughs) twins helped to organise. Like... (laughs) Is this the ghost of Mrs. Beckwith? What the fuck is happening? But also, I feel like this explains John Pfeiffer turning up in the article earlier on in this book because it was just like, (gasps) someone had the wrong information and was working off things from like book 30 or something. Seriously. Somebody was like, I read a few of the ones in the middle years. I don't have to catch up. This, I've got Well, well, well. Like the whole Annie and Cheryl thing. Like there was a whole thing then with Cheryl and Stephen. Like, I mean. Yes. The girl next door. The boy next door. It was a whole thing. It's only like, I don't know, 10 books, 15 books ago. It's not that long ago. <laughs> You're right. It was like book 94, I think. Yeah. The Are we in love one? And that was, yeah, Stephen and Cheryl. And like, oh, for God's sake. Like, Come I mean, on. Like, we know, we, we know the consistency isn't great, particularly in this series, but like, come on, that's a pretty <laughs> big thing to just be like, oh yeah, and the old neighbour that moved away, you know, <laughs> a good few books ago is back now. Annie and Cheryl are no longer their neighbours. Like, it, this is just silly. <laughs> well, Mrs. Beckwith does take the flowers. Um, mm-hmm. Jessica tells her that she's allergic to, she was given roses and she's allergic to them. And um, she's throwing the card in the bin. But then she remembers she's got to keep off the charade of yeah. uh, um, of being, mm. you know, besotted with Jeremy. So uh, she rings him up and agrees to go out with him tonight. And when he says, I love you, she forces herself to say, I love you too. But it's actually quite, it's it's quite not, not I can't say I'm like deeply affected to my core, but it is quite well done. Like when she hangs up, like she's literally, her hands start shaking and then her whole body starts shaking. Like she really is traumatized by all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny actually, this is like the first time they've actually shown any kind of trauma response to all the terrible things that have happened to them. (laughs) Yes. Like maybe it's all the previous, you know, kidnappings and murder attempts have finally <gasps> oh. actually dawned on her. And this was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> it has to happen sometime. Surely. <laughs> um, so yeah, she knows exactly what Jeremy is expecting because of course mm. last time they saw each other properly, it was when they were going to go to the sex condo. <laughs> and as far as Jeremy's concerned, she's still up for that. So um, yeah, she, she knows she has to stay at her guard whenever mm. she's with him. Yeah. So later, she's getting ready to go on the date and Liz wishes she could think of a way out of it. And Jess is like, well, you're the one who told me that we had to play, you mm. know, play normal. Yeah. Um, so Liz says, look, we'll just stay in public places. Don't go anywhere with them. And of course, Liz, Jessica thinks, what would Liz say if she knew that Jeremy and I had been planning to sleep together? Oh, God. Yeah, because there is just an added layer of danger here where I suppose first their dates were always gross because of the age difference. But there wasn't ever really any threat of like this going like creepy far. I mean, it was yeah. already creepy, but you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, there's just it's just an extra layer of of something for her to deal with. And Liz doesn't even know about it. So I yeah. do feel for Jess here because it is a lot to be trying to, to sidestep and, and stay on top of. Indeed. Um, so she picks out some some ensembles, which I'm sure you'll describe <laughs> later on. But uh, they're the least sexy things in her wardrobe. And um, Jess, but they're still kind of mini well it's giving too many details to say they're mini outfits not at all no Liz does frown at the above the knee hemlines because she's just like don't you have anything longer and Jessica's like but I have to stay in character like you just said she says I can't suddenly start dressing as boring as she thought of the least fashionable person she knew 
Enid Rollins. <laughs> Harsh. <So> rude. <laughs> so later, pretty much dressed as a young executive, um, she <laughs> it's the vibe. <laughs> she she's praying that Jeremy won't actually turn up, but of course he does. Mm-hmm. And they head off to the Cypress Point Cafe. And he's really gross. I mean, we've always thought he was gross, but now she mm. thinks he's gross too, because he's like, yeah. oh, this is our special place. Remember the last time we were here, we talked about finding time to be alone together. Oh, God. And he's like, what do you think about that now? And Jessica's really panicky, and she's like, I, I think, uh, she thinks I've got to get out of here. So she says, I think we should ask for the check. But to her dismay, Jeremy grinned widely. My sentiments exactly. Oh, God. And again, poor Jessica, because straight away she's like, oh, shit, he took that the wrong way. I better clear this up quickly or I'm in trouble, basically. So, And it's so understandable that she just wants to get out of there. But of course, he reads that as her being like, yeah, let's go ride. But like, yeah. not that. <laughs> to the sex condo. do <laughs> 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 So when they go outside, he kisses her. And of course, now she's just completely repulsed by his mm. passionate kisses. Um, and he literally mentions going to the condo, but Jessica's like, oh, I'm really behind in my homework because I was sick. And um he he is suspicious. Mm. Like he does ask, has she changed her mind? Yeah, but she says, look, no, no, far from it. And she again forces herself to like stroke his arm and just act normal. So she does manage to kind of just get him. Believing her, I think, because because he does say, mm. yeah, let's stop by the condo for an hour or so. I'll give you something to think about uh, while you're studying. And she's like, oh, Christ. So she uh, she's like, no, let's wait for a night when we're not rushed uh, and gives him like a flirty smile. So she's like, you know, the longer we wait, the better it'll be. Right. Um, and this does kind of placate him because he's just like, OK, yeah. But he's like, but let's not wait too long, baby. Um, and she's just so grossed out. But it's just like <laughs> at least it's kind of a relief that she's reacting the way we've been reacting all along to <laughs> Yes, because <laughs> when he says, let's not wait too long, baby, she thinks, because you're planning to love me and leave me, you big joke. <laughs> exactly that. Um, so they pull up at the house. She's trying to just like leg it out of the car, but he pulls her back for a kiss. Uh, he's like, don't make me wait too long. Um, and she just doesn't even trust herself to reply properly. So she just like blows him a kiss and runs into the house because she's just like, oh God, this whole thing is revolting. Yes. Um, but she also sees the irony where like she, realizes that not that long ago she thought Jeremy Randall was the most attractive guy on earth um, and now she's like God she'd been ready to marry him and now he made her sick he was the enemy uh, we're on the same page at last Jessica finally <laughs> <laughs> I mean only took seven books or whatever the fuck it was it feels like seven even though I think it's only in five <laughs> I mean, five, three, two, who knows? Mm. The publishers don't know, so how are we supposed to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, the next day, I guess, it's uh, or it's Wednesday, Mm. and at lunchtime, Jessica is just taunted by mistletoe bandus posters. (laughs) And we're told they're heartless reminders that she wasn't going to be able to get into the holiday spirit this season, and she didn't have a date for the dance because her fiancé had turned out to be a professional con artist in crook. Totally normal teens. <laughs> um, so she feels really grim and she realizes that this is the day Sue's money arrives today. Mm-hmm. Uh and she actually, this is kind of great. She can't even hate Sue anymore. And she's really annoyed <laughs> by that. 
<laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah, because she's like, I have to feel sorry for her now because Jeremy fooled her even worse than he fooled me. We're both idiots. He never loved either of us. And it is quite funny that she's just so annoyed that she can't hate her now. <laughs> <laughs> and she says to herself, I mean, I'm taking this as OTG. She mm. goes, boy, Wakefield, you really know how to pick him. Just say M, apostrophe mm. E-M. When did you turn into such a loser? Oh. <laughs> what should be placed next to her lunch tray? Why, it's a single white rose. And who could have placed it there, Karen? Why, it's our fave, Ken Matthews. Hooray! Ken is just like the 12-year-old's ideal boyfriend. Honestly. He's just he is, so uh, sweet and good. He is such a cutie pie and also, but also interesting, whereas like Todd is like a cardboard cutout. Oh, <laughs> like Ken is so charming. Like they're both kind of blushing because she's like, oh, Ken, this is beautiful. But why? And he's like, oh, you look so sad today. I thought this might cheer you up a little. Oh, God, so cute. It's just <laughs> lovely. <laughs> And yeah, and he's blushing, she's blushing. She feels like she's been caught off guard. And she's like, oh no, I'm fine. She's like, maybe I'm a little tired, but thanks anyhow. Uh, And he's kind of heads off then. Because like, he's not, you know, looking to drag her into a conversation or anything. He's literally just like dropping the rose, saying hello, and he's gone. And it's such a cute interaction. It's (laughs) so cute. He's being so nice. And um, she wonders, have Lila and Amy um, been spreading it around that she and Jeremy are breaking up, you know, so... I guess, which will be a favour so she doesn't have to go around announcing mm. it to people. Um, so she's a bit embarrassed at the thought of Ken feeling sorry for her, but it was still so sweet from. And she realises that somebody or someone, Ken, had carefully plucked off all the thorns. Oh my God, leaving only the flower. So it's just, it's very much like he's the opposite of Jeremy. <laughs> Look how lovely he is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we cut to the uh, to Fowler Crest, where Lila is like, oh, yeah, I guess I did tell him that uh, you and Jeremy were going to call off your engagement. Ken really works fast, huh? <laughs> um, so uh, she says she doesn't have time to argue with Jessica about the meaning of Ken's gift because she's on her way to the gallery for Robbie's opening. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So she's... Uh... <laughs> She's she's heading off to uh, to go to the gallery and hang her paintings. <laughs> yes, she actually thinks that uh, maybe if if her paintings were a hit, not only would Robbie's career be salvaged, but she'd be launching her own career. An artist? I never thought about that possibility. She mused. But why not? Robbie and I could spend our lives traveling around Europe with our easels. Fun! Exclamation oh, mark. Lila. What are you doing? Just <laughs> her fucking mind is what she's doing. Oh, truly. Just, you know, stick to the marimba, babe. We know you're good at that. <laughs> uh, well, she arrives at the gallery and introduces herself to the owner, Mrs. DeForest, as Robbie's agent. And uh, Mrs. DeForest is uh, clearly surprised, probably because she's not expecting an actual child to show up as an, as an agent. Hey, we don't know. She could be wearing her young executive outfit. Oh, no, wait, we know she's not. <laughs> Maybe she's just wearing the hat. Maybe. So so she says she'll hang the paintings. I mean, hanging paintings from a, a, for a gallery is a really, really specific mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> apparently, Mrs. DeForest just put a lot of fucking 
hooks up on a wall and is like, well, lag them wherever you like. Oh, God. Yep, off you go. <laughs> this is a sham gallery. Who cares? <laughs> so yeah, Lila um, goes along to where Robbie's bit is, I suppose. And yeah. it's just like, she sees what all the other artists have uh, put up for a display. And she's like, Ugh, tame, totally ordinary, abstract seascapes. I could do better in my sleep. So she reckons her paintings are definitely more colourful and more dramatic, altogether bolder and newer than whatever is uh, already mm-hmm. on display there. So she's like, I'm, I mean, Robbie's going to be the hit of the show. <laughs> So yeah, they're standing in front of again a blank wall studded with picture hooks. Like, what wild. size are the paintings going to be, oh Mrs. Forrest? Who knows? Have you, have you gotten dimensions? What is going on here? What kind <laughs> of absolute ramshackle operation is this? So Lila takes out the first painting from its box. It's called Harbor. And uh, Mrs. DeForest is speechless. God, yes, she puts her hand to her mouth and she's like, oh my. Uh, She's like, well, I've seen a number of Robbie's pieces and I expected something which kind of trails off. But of course, (laughs) Lila's like, she's stunned. She thinks it's good. So she's like, oh, the use of colour is arresting, don't you think? And Mrs. DeForest is like, arresting. Yes, and she says so doubtfully, but Lila is just like going on about how revolutionary it is. And Mrs. DeForest every time is just like, um. <laughs> So they take out, she hangs all the paintings herself. Like, mm-hmm. again, how big is this wall? Is there a lot? Like, who's doing this? Anyway, um, she hangs them all up and says, wow, nicking in admiration. They look pretty darn good, if I may say so myself. And Mrs. Forrest is like, oh, thanks. I'm just going to check if the wine and cheese is ready. <laughs> so uh, 15 minutes later, the guests are arriving and no sign of Robbie. Mm. And Lila is now fearing that Robbie is going to show up at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so she decides she has to ring him to tell him to come and that, you know, he's going to be the sensation yeah. of the exhibition. Mm-hmm. But So she goes to the office and uh, makes a call, but there's no answer. And when she returns, there's loads of people standing at Robbie's work. So she can't wait to ba- bask in their praise, but she has a shock in store. She sure does. So she catches like snatches of the remarks that are being tossed around. And we also get them here. <laughs> Atrocious, a woman in a black beret declared. <laughs> Lifeless as mud, says the man standing next to her. Reminiscent of bird droppings, perhaps. Someone else proclaimed disdainfully. Displays no technique whatsoever. (laughs) Clearly the work of an undisciplined amateur. You know what they say. For some people, the first show is also the last show. And the last one is simply laughable. I mean, that could be the descriptor of this entire series. That should have been the tagline for this. <laughs> <laughs> tagline of every one of them. Oh, well, we're told the colour drains from Lila's oh. warmly tanned cheeks. And oh. she realise she starts thinking, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. And then who should come in? <gasps> Why, it's Robbie. Yes, he arrives and he apologises for being late. His eyes light up when he sees Lila. He's like, I hope I haven't kept everybody. And then he's kind of, he trails off because he can just hear people whispering and laughing and people saying stuff like, oh, that's him. Nice looking boy, but about as much talent as a dot, dot, dot. Uh, 
so there's all these random people suddenly slagging him off and he's like, what the fuck is going on here? So Mrs. DeForest exclaims that uh, her, his agent arrived in time to hang the paintings. So we've all had a chance already to form our opinions. And Robbie's like, my agent? And he's like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. And then he sees the paintings on the wall and he's just <laughs> like, oh God, what on earth? And then Lila kind of steps forward looking really sad. And she she's like, hi, Robbie, it's me, your agent, remember? Oh. <laughs> Poor Lila. <laughs> well, we cut back to the casa where Sue wings her bank because we're in the phone banking age, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> Technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's been ringing the bank. Uh, she gets her balance and there's no sign of the money. Apparently she rang the bank like twice earlier that day and they assured her the transfer had been made uh, and that it would be in her account by the end of the workday. But yes. it's the end of the workday now. There's <gasps> no sign of this fucking money. Uh, and apparently Alice already like congratulated Sue on her inheritance. But now like the day is over. The money's not there. And Sue was like, oh, God, where can it be? Mm. God, you remember ringing your back, like ringing that number, getting the automated. The balance of your current account <laughs> is um, <laughs> holding the phone away from your ear. So you just have to realise how small it was. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Do not. I'm sorry. Okay, meal quick, ARS. <laughs> Only because I could get the balance on the ATM when I was there and then I could see how broke I was. Oh. I never like to look at that as on the actual ATM. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you hear it rather than see it written down, you could have misheard. Yeah. Well, we cut back to the gallery where Lila is sobbing in the car park and chucking her creations in the dumpster. So I guess you like took them all off the walls and carried them outside. Oh and that must have taken ages and everyone just standing there looking at her. God, Lila. <laughs> but then she realises somebody is uh, is next to her telling her she's okay and to calm down. And it's Robbie November. Wait, the man himself. <laughs> yeah, so Lila's just like, oh, have you come out here to tell me that you hate me? Um, So he's like, no, like for a minute or two, things were looking pretty grim because <laughs> mm. he reckoned it looked like sabotage when he came in at first. Uh, but he's realised now that she was just trying to do him a favour and Lila's in tears again. She's like, can you ever forgive me? He's like, it's all fine. There's nothing to forgive. He's like, your heart was in the right place. It was not a great plan, though. Uh, and he's kind of laughing and she's like, what's so funny? So he gets her to come inside. Uh, he has to basically drag her in because she does not want to go back into the yeah. gallery understandably but uh, when she walks in apparently everyone starts applauding spontaneously okay I feel sorry for the other artists with this circus <laughs> going on honestly it's like fucking this performance art piece has taken over the entire opening night <laughs> well that would be more interesting than Robbie's actual art which sounds like the sort of sort of chocolate box twee stuff that people sell at sort of amateur art shows it's... no offense to those artists i hope they get great joy from their work however this is hotel art like this is oh, it's like... mid-range chain hotel art <laughs> harbor scenes sweet valley storefront old men reading newspapers on a bench oh, surfboards on the sand it's so the it's... last Ugh. the last painting is one that i think we'd all hang in our homes okay there's one good painting <laughs> Because it is, of course, of a beautiful, dark-haired girl with coffee brown eyes. And it's the portrait of Lila that already he had done a few books ago. So, like, even in the last uh, or earlier on in this book, when it was like, he's got no paintings for the show. Like, they'd already established he was going to show this portrait. But anyway. Oh, fuck's sake. Lack of consistency. <laughs> even Honestly. Yeah. 
So she takes Robbie aside and is like, you know, where when did you bake all this? And he admits that he was panicking, um, but he was actually, it sort of spurred him on to work, but he mm. was really insecure. So he just couldn't bear show, the idea of showing it to Lila in case she didn't like it. He just needed to sort of plow through and get yeah. all the work done. And he really wanted to impress her. She's like, I, uh, you did. And I do believe in you. You're the most talented person in the world. I only get pushy because I want, I think I know what's best for people. So they decide they've learned to trust you. They need to trust each other more. Um, and hopefully they'll stop playing their stupid games. And they kiss. And uh, he says, uh, what's this I hear about? A mistletoe madness dance. You still looking for a date? But Lila isn't. No, she's got a date already. She's going to the dance with the West Coast's hottest new artist. Hooray. Oh, <laughs> that's going to last to them for this book. Hmm. Possibly forever. I cannot remember oh, Robbie ever being I, it again. I know. Like, what's going to happen when we get the next series in? Is there going to be like a throwaway lineup? And Robbie moved away <laughs> to New York City <laughs> to be an art superstar. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's as likely as anything else that happens in this series. So Very why true. not? Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, it's Wednesday night and Sue has hanging up the phone from Jer- uh, from talking to Jeremy. She told him about the money being missing and he was all like, oh, well, it's just, you know, he's so blasé. Mm. Um, and of course, Sue, in this case, is not a, as much of a fool as she usually is because she knows if he's not worried about the money, it's because he's already stolen it. Uh-huh. Yes, it's already done. I mean... How he stole it is oh. never revealed. <laughs> no, it's like, because there was something about how like computers can be hacked or something really vague earlier oh on in the book. So we're just supposed to presume that he's a hacker now. I don't know. <laughs> like even in the mid 90s, those things were pretty secure. The fucking bank. Like, but look, <laughs> anyway, he's managed to pull it off somehow. <laughs> so Sue barges in on the twins and reveals all. Um, Jeremy's got the money. Mm-hmm. You could go to the police, like <laughs> right now, Sue, mm-hmm. because that is a literally bank, like that is literally bank robbery. Yeah, quite literally. But uh, yeah, I think Jessica actually suggests maybe it's time to go to the police. But then Liz is like, no, we should make sure we really got him. Remember what happened last time? And Sue's like, yeah, I want to catch him in the act. If the evidence isn't rock solid, he'll find a way to slime out of this. Like, the money not being in your bank account when the transfer was made is pretty fucking rock solid, Sue, but okay, go off. (laughs) 500 grand has disappeared through a hacking. Like, that is proof of a crime. Oh, no. Anyway, they, uh, yeah, they they decide they're going to have to get proof. And Mm -hmm. Liz is like, well, you know, we prove he's guilty. You know what that means. And Sue's like, yeah. I know I'm going to face up to the consequences of my actions. Yes. In fairness, what did she do that's actually illegal apart that they could prove in a court of law mm. apart from the fake kidnapping? And even yeah. that they've already got her word for it. Well, that's true. And is it a crime to ask for the ransom of your actual own money? <laughs> your own money? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Don't it's a stupid it case. It'll probably just be thrown out for being a stupid case in the first <laughs> place. Unless you've got Ned on the case, of course. Well, I mean... <laughs> He'd end up getting you like I don't know, convicted of a murder or something just by his sheer incompetence. Absolutely. Anyway, Liz has a plan. She does. So later in Jessica's in bed, and she realizes that uh, she's always wanted to be an actress, and we get a little trip down memory lane about her her uh, previous acting roles in Sweet Valley High and on the soap opera. Mm -hmm. And now she's going to have to pull off 
the performance of a lifetime. Mm, yes, because, uh, yeah, with Jeremy on Friday night, apparently it's going to be her <laughs> her real test of her acting skills. Um, but the phone rings and she's all jumpy and nervous when it does. But instead of it being Jeremy's creepy tones, it's just Ken. Oh, yay. He's he's just Ken. <laughs> <laughs> and he is cut off. He is indeed. So she's so relieved that it's not Jeremy, that it's just someone nice and normal. And she's like, oh, God, OK, thank God. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they're kind of chatting about homework and she's kind of wondering when he's going to actually tell her why he's actually called, mm-hmm. because this isn't usual. So he does then wonder uh, if she's planning on going to the Mistletoe Madness dance on Friday. Uh, and what he's really wondering is if she'd like to go with him. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> just literally the human Labrador. <laughs> so Jess is like, oh yeah the dance and she's about to say that she'd love to go but then of course she remembers that she has other plans for Friday night less appealing plans yes. so she, she apologises uh, and says that she has other plans and he's just like yep yeah, that's okay Jess look I'll see you around and she's like okay thanks for calling and it's all very cute and amiable like nobody's yeah, anarchy ha- it's it's all lovely <laughs> he handles it all so well mm. like he just says take it easy when he hangs up Yeah, um, and she is all disappointed Um you know, when having to turn him down because she yeah. thinks Ken's invitation seemed out of the blue. Or was it? Their paths seem to be crossing a lot lately. Ken Matthews and me. Hmm, she speculated. And then her complexion washes over with a warm pink glow. Oh, of course it does. He's lovely. <laughs> she thinks the star quarterback and the head cheerleader, two gorgeous blondes. It had occurred to Jessica in the past they'd make a dynamite couple. I mean... <laughs> I'd prefer if she was like, oh, I, you know, I'd like to go out with him because he's so nice and <laughs> cute, as opposed to like, we'd look amazing together. <laughs> that is a flash of the old Jessica, though, isn't it? <laughs> Where like she had previously considered falling in love with Ken and was like, no, too much hassle. <laughs> well, she sighs as she thinks that Ken will probably ask somebody else. Mm. But, um, but then, you know, her natural effervescent optimism starts to bubble to the surface again. And she, so she really is turning back into her old self. And she thinks after this weekend, she'll start living a normal life. And she'll put the horrible episode with Jeremy behind her. And uh, she thinks maybe I'll miss the dance. But that doesn't mean I can't take advantage of the mistletoe. <laughs> so by Friday, dance day. Mm-hmm. Sweet Valley High is a winter wonderland. It's been transformed, you guys. The decorations committee have been working their little socks off. The place mm-hmm. is draped with red and white streamers. There are pine garlands everywhere. There's balloon bouquets, cutouts of Santa and elves and reindeer. Uh, everyone's even dressed for the occasion. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes, they're all wearing red, green and white like the dorks they are and <laughs> I you're going to describe Todd's outfit at the end but yes. seriously again this is 1994 <laughs> everybody was wearing like scruffy Levi's and like long sleeve t-shirts under like other t-shirts and, flannel shirts and Doc and, Martens but like Sonic Youth t-shirts like what is yeah. happening we know this town is full of absolute squares like it's <laughs> it's their squareness has been well established at this point 
Well, you know that Liz, uh, things are going badly for her this week because she's so distracted by all the plotting to stop Jeremy in his tracks that she has forgotten to dress in her Christmas colours. Oh, no. Because <laughs> Todd is like, what's going on with you? Why aren't you dressed properly? Um, but then he's also wondering about the mistletoe madness dance. And she reveals that she's actually not going to be able to go to the dance after all. So he's like, what's yeah. going on? Is this something to do with Sue and Jeremy? So Liz kind of takes him somewhere. I don't know they go to some stairwell yeah. uh, that's out of the way. So she fills him in basically on everything yeah. so far. Because I guess, yeah, Todd hasn't known any of this at all. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he hasn't. So he, like, he's really stunned, understandably. Hmm. Yeah. And even though they, Liz says, look, we're going to get Sam to help them. I mean, Sam has a duty of care to these children and she'll be telling the parents. But anyway. Damn it, Sam, I was rooting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Todd rightly think it all sounds very risky and he insists he's going to go along with them on whatever Mm -hmm. their, you know, scheme is. And uh, Liz... Liz says fair enough um, and she because she'll feel better having Todd along but she knows that it's Jessica who'll be running the biggest risk <gasps> so after school she's finally having second thoughts because as she thinks their parents indeed no adults apart from Sam who is a liability know yeah. about <laughs> this whole like Jeremy's shenanigans and their plot to uncover him and even though Sam will have a gun it's still risky the addition of that gun does not make it massively less risky. That this. makes it more risky. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. But yes, anyway, look, Jessica is like, no, look, this is the plan that, you know, Sue will never see a penny of her inheritance if we don't do this right. Oh um, my God. This is so stupid. Like they were acting like, the, like telling the authorities will scare Jeremy into going away with Sue's fortune. But like they could just tell you know, the bank's fraud department and they could get it off them without him even knowing it's been alerted. Oh God. But anyway, while all this is going on, there's something of a storm brewing outside. Mm. The wind has picked up and there's rain starting. So Jessica's like, it's going to be a wild night. (gasps) So uh, yeah, Liz wonders if Jeremy will take the bait, but Jessica's like, literally her expression is grim and says, I think he'll take it. Mm. So she rings Jeremy and says she knows all about his plot with Sue. Yeah. And like, yeah, it was only at this point I was like, oh, this really is risky. (laughs) Um, Because of course, Jeremy, when he hears all this, he's like, how did you find out about this? Um, And she's like, oh, it doesn't matter how I found out. And he cuts her off and he's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to turn me in? Because if you do, but then Jessica tries to to plead with him. She's like, look, I know everything, but it doesn't matter to me. I forgive you. I still love you. We really did have something. You know we did. And I know that's why you decided to ditch Sue instead of spending your life with her. So she kind of wheedles with him to sort of make him believe that, yes, she knows everything, but she still wants him and still believes that he cares about her. Yeah. Um, but he's not fully convinced. But then she 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 pulls out all the stops, as they say, and, and she says that she wants to be with him and it's all she ever wanted. And she's sick of her family trying to keep them apart and everybody trying to tell her she's too young to know what she really wants. Um, she's like, I'm glad you've done this to Sue. I hate her. I really hate her. <laughs> I'd do anything to get back at her. I feel like she actually means that, though. <laughs> <laughs> So she begs for Jeremy to take her with him. She's like, let's run away together. So he's like, so you're going to give it all up, your family and your life here, even though it will be with me. And I'm no Prince Charming, he says, apparently with a smug, cynical laugh. (laughs) But this is, this next bit is kind of brilliant because Jessica fights back her disgusted outrage. She thinks, what a creepy, egotistical, sick, twisted. And this is the moment 
um, when uh, she realizes a, her, a measure of her disgust is aimed at herself because mm. his response makes her see how foolishly, spinelessly lovesick she had been before. So, you know, she must be, if he thinks she's acting in character, she must have been an absolute sap. Yeah, she kind of realizes just how ridiculous and drawn into this whole thing that she really was. The fact yeah. that he's buying all this, she is just disgusted with herself and she. Mm has to like choke back all this disgust and say that she loves him uh, and that she wants to be with him and nothing else matters other than them being together. So he does <laughs> relent and he's like, oh, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so bad sharing my tropical paradise with you. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's like, I'm ready now. I'll meet you tonight. Um, so he's like, you, you haven't told anybody else, have you? So she assures him that she hasn't told a soul. It'll be just the two of them. And by the time they've taken off together, um, you know, by, it'll be then before anyone has figured anything out and they'll be long gone. Yes. And when she says, we'll be long gone, he says, long gone. He savoured the words as if he had a private joke he wasn't sharing. Fucking <laughs> guy. <laughs> long gone, because I'll have pushed you down a well. Yeah. Like, it's... Basically, yes. <laughs> and then he goes, Okay, Jessica Wakefield, I want you as much as you want me. And his Ooh. voice vibrates with passion. Christ. <laughs> so he says that he'll pick her up at eight and they'll go to the Project Nature cabin. Now, why do they need the sex condo when that cabin was right? Because <laughs> it's so out of the way. <laughs> well, it is handy. now. <laughs> Suddenly it moved and now it's, you know, it's basically fucking Baby I. <laughs> chicken legs to somewhere more and more remote every time <laughs> yeah because the last time we were in this cabin it was like you know and then, well not the last I guess the last time was the kidnapping but before mm. that like the sweet valiants were all just popping up there for like a <laughs> a school night party it was on a Sunday night Sunday night you're so right it was like school night let's just pop over to the cabin totally <laughs> fine not a big deal it's in like a nature reserve and suddenly it's this like desolate mountaintop cabin <laughs> fucking hours away. <laughs> so he tells her that she can't tell anyone where they're going or, you know, who she's meeting and don't leave any goodbye notes because they can't leave a trail. And she's like, you can't tell me. And uh, we're told she could almost see his evil smile. Get ready for the ride of your life, baby, he says. Oh, oh God. <laughs> she's just as disgusted as we are, though. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's she's shaking again when she hangs mm-hmm. up. So she knows he's bought the story hook, line mm-hmm. and sinker. And uh, tonight's the night. Mm-hmm. So later, Alice comes home after a shitty day at work where we're told she was basically driven to murderous rages. <laughs> the most personality we've seen from Alice in quite some time. <laughs> and uh, Jessica laughs and is like, but mom, I thought you had infinite patience. And basically, you know, I'm such an absolute monster. Yeah. Uh, nothing can faze you. And Alice just smiles wryly and is like, you put me to the test often enough. That's for sure. Um, so Jessica does say, this is quite sweet. She goes, I'm not such a horrible kid, am I? I mean, you kind of are, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Your mom can't say so, though. <laughs> Alice doesn't even know the half of it because she doesn't know about the spike in Elizabeth and letting her it's think so she gosh. caused um, Sam's death <gasps> for weeks. Oh, God. Yep, true. <laughs> Jesus. So they have a little moment and uh, sort of bond about how, mm-hmm. like, Alice, you know, has her impetuous side and Jessica says, oh, yeah, well, I guess you were pretty wild when you were young because you broke off your wedding tag popping at the last minute so you could be with Dad. And Alice is like, well, actually, that wasn't impetuous. That was the most carefully thought out decision I've ever made. So, you know, I I just knew I was doing the right thing. Never regretted mm-hmm. for an instant. So 
Jessica asks, well, how did you know that uh, uh, that Ned was the one? Mm. And Oz basically says, because uh, we were hot to trot. <laughs> we were both hot. There was no more to it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but then she reveals that like the, the most important part was that uh, they trust each other. And she says, you mm. know, trust is the most important element of an enduring relationship. So yeah, she's kind of talking about how she, her and Ned can trust each other. And they've always been there for each other. And the trust in each other grows deeper with every passing year. Yeah. Um, so Jessica is just kind of taking all this in. And she's like, oh, OK, so I guess passion without trust isn't worth a whole lot. Um. And Alice is like, oh, you know, it's not worth, it's not that it's not worth anything, but you can't count on it to last very long if yeah. there isn't trust in the relationship. And it is this kind of sweet heart to heart moment of Alice actually being a mother to her kids. So, and it is sweet because she's like, you know, I want you to know something about yourself, Jess. You're a very special person and a strong person. You deserve the best. And that's why I expect so much from you um, and it is it's lovely like and she's like yeah. stroking her hair and she's like oh I know we haven't really talked like this in a long time and things have been kind of rocky uh, and your father and I were pretty critical of some of your behaviour but it doesn't mean we've ever stopped loving you um, and it's lovely so yeah. Jessica hugs her and she kind of finds a bit a new kind of courage and confidence yeah. after this conversation because she's like you know maybe I will have the strength now to to stand up to Jeremy tonight and go through with this plan well, at seven o'clock, Ned and Alice have gone out for what must be an extremely early Friday night dinner. <laughs> and uh, Sue was thinking maybe it wasn't such a good idea to wait until the last minute to phone sign Sam Diamond. I mean, you fucking think, Sue, oh, when you've God. got a life and death scheme. Seriously. Yeah. So they've planned this whole thing that by the time Sam gets there, Ned and Alice are already gone and can't be reached because yeah. they've gone out for their early dinner. Uh, yeah. They're getting the early bird. It's a pre-theater menu. It's fine. <laughs> true, um, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and Sue is kind of questioning the lack of involvement of any other adults, basically, of an <laughs> idiot detective, Sam Diamond. Um, oh, God. But yeah, so look, Liz and Jessica are like, no, it's it's going to work out. Like, he believes Jessica, so this this thing is, is going to be fine. Like, his ego is so out of control, apparently he'd believe anything. Um, so, apparently yeah, so he was so used to thinking of Sue and Jessica as uh, totally devoted rag dolls. He can mm. manipulate any way he likes. There you go. <laughs> so the plan is that she's going to go to the cabin and get mm. a full confession out of him. And of course, she'll be wired for sound with Sam's gadgetry. And sure. then Sam will jump in. And uh, as uh, Jessica says, how do they say it in the movies? The jig will be up. Oh, God. Or you could just call the fucking police. I know. But this is the plan, unfortunately. <laughs> Todd is like, I hope it happens that way. <laughs> Well, I mean, your hopes will not be <laughs> mesh, Toddles. No. Oh, good. <laughs> so the weather is getting even worse when uh, Sam arrives, which is extremely glamorous as ever. Mm-hmm. We learned she Sam, could afford Sam. a Burberry, uh, which even in the 90s <laughs> were extremely expensive. So were, I guess wasn't it about- who had Burberry... Burberry coats was it the <gasps> Poppins oh, at Burberry coats they did the which thing. they bought in London that's right <laughs> yes <laughs> how did they even find the coats through all that fog <laughs> <laughs> well I guess they do need a good you know tr- waterproof trench coat <laughs> in all that <laughs> weather <laughs> it's true 
so uh yeah sam has a uh she's been doing some research uh she agrees that it's somehow suspicious that jeremy is not uh does not have an internet presence in 1994 <laughs> yes but uh through her own research uh, and going through i guess microfilm In a library somewhere, who knows She's discovered uh, an article from three years ago uh, Recounting how a young man named John Ryder Stole a small fortune from his new bride Someone called Kerry LaSalle Um, And the man was never apprehended The money was never recovered And of course when they see the photo They're like, oh shit, it's Jeremy again This time it's (gasps) John Ryder So Sue is so upset by this She's like, oh my god, he's just he's a monster He's been roaming all over the country Preying (laughs) on stupid rich girls like me and Marla and Kerry I can't believe I was so naive I mean, you're not wrong, Sue. God oh. love you. Uh, so Sam reminds her that, like, you were his accomplice in a scheme. Um, again, what crime did she really commit? Asking for her own money. Um, oh, I guess it was against the terms of the will. So, oh, yeah, like, inheritance fraud? Is that a thing? Probably. Lawyers, tell us. <laughs> Ned will know. <laughs> <laughs> well, or won't. Um, but anyway, Sue is ready to accept the consequences. She just yeah. wants to stop Jeremy from, you know, causing chaos and hurting yes. people wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jessica's ready to be wired for sound. She's got a little suitcase ready, so it's all convincing that she's trying mm-hmm. to run away. And we learn that when he ar- Jeremy arrives to pick her up, the others will be hiding in Sam's car in the garage where they will uh, set off uh, after Jeremy's car to the cabin. And all the time they'll be recording Jeremy's incriminating statements. Yes, so they'll be but yeah, they'll they'll be right behind Jeremy and Jessica in the car. But then also what? apparently the police will be right on their heels. I what? don't know. Have the police been informed at this stage, <laughs> or are they just going to ring them from the road? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, they're all they're all I like, guess on board with this stupid plan, and it's like okay, let's do it. So um, yeah, so that the twins hug beforehand, and Liz tells suggests that she's being really brave, and she is in fairness because this plan is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Jeremy arrives and. Jess has to, to run out in her little yellow rain jacket with a little suitcase and off she goes. So yeah, they just kind of have to watch from the garage in the, the dark car as uh, as Jess heads off with Jeremy in the car. And Elizabeth can't help being afraid for her sister. Deathly afraid. <gasps> Deathly Christmas afraid. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas apparently. <laughs> I guess. Oh, wow. we will. Well, it's getting Christmassy uh, weather-wise. Mm. Californians how likely is this? <laughs> I think we that... got some info on this actually last time around, but it's like you would have to be driving for hours yes. to find snow. <laughs> Bear in mind, Sweet Valley is on the Pacific coast yeah. and this cabin is close enough to go to a party on school night. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Jeremy's car. He's zooming along the back roads at top speed and uh, Jessica is reassured to see the others in the rear view mirror. So the car mm. is still, Sam's car is still on their trail. Yeah. She pretends to check her makeup and uh, manages to, you know, spot their their tail. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy's like, oh, you're a bit tense. And she's like, oh, well, I am running away. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... He's incredibly creepy because uh, he's like, you won't regret it. He flashed at her a smile that was wide but ice cold. Jessica shivered. We're going to have a real good time. <laughs> <laughs> just full body shudder. Yes. <laughs> Horrible. But then he, he starts just swinging off the road and, and like and taking all these poorly marked turns. Again, this cabin was apparently so easy to find <laughs> that there was like a petrol station near enough for that. <laughs> 
a ransom drop. Oh god, yeah, but now it's all fucking unmarked back roads and like <laughs> you need some kind of internal GPS to find it. But uh yeah, in the meantime, as as they're going, Jessica kind of keeps trying to look for the headlights behind them. That's kind of reassuring her the whole time. But when the next time she checks, there's no sign of them at all and it's just dark. So she's like, Oh god, okay, they've got yeah. to be back there. They're probably just hidden by a curve in the road because they don't want to draw attention. Um but she starts to worry that uh, they're no longer trailing the car and she's just yeah. been left on her own. Yeah. And also it's starting to sleet. Mm-hmm. Um, the rain has turned to sleet. But uh, Jessica consoles herself by saying, well, look, they've all been to the cabin before, so they know the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now it's not only is it properly snowing, but the snow is sticking, <laughs> which, okay, uh, they pass some a a frame cabins, which I got very excited about because when I was a little kid, my parents went to America, and uh, didn't take me. Took my older sister, left me behind with my aunt, and I'm still appalled <laughs> by this. Ouchie. But they did bring home a Fisher Price a frame house. Nice. Have you ever seen an a frame house? I don't think so, but this sounds amazing. Tell me about it. It's so cool. So I don't think I've ever seen one in real life. Just my beloved Fisher Price one. Oh, <laughs> but it's like the gables are A shaped. So it's like you've got two A's. Okay, and that's okay. each end. So all the walls, the you don't have like regular walls. It's like yeah, the yeah. the A uh, the slant though on the roof. On slant the comes right down to the floor or to the bottom, and like Ooh. your door is in the side underneath the bar of the. Ah. Of the A. So imagine a Fisher Price version of that on one side of the roof folded up. A beautiful thing. I am sure there were listeners who had a Fisher Price A frame (laughs) cabin. And I am choosing to believe that that is the vibe of the Project Nature cabin because it'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This cabin is in the arse out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) Just desolate. (laughs) So yeah, they finally arrive. Um, Jessica just thinks I cannot go in there with them. Um, so she decides she's going to slide over the driver's seat because, like, of course, this is an automatic car. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be very awkward right, to do that on this side of the clambering over a gearbox and all yeah. the rest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she go- says, "Oh fuck it, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to drive off as soon yeah. as he gets out." But I mean, unsurprisingly, he does take his keys. He does. He puts the keys in his pocket. So she's like, oh shit, there goes that plan. Uh, yes. She's like, okay, I can't run away. I have a job to do. So she's like, right. And surely, you know, Sam is just hanging back out of sight. That's all that's happened here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so they have to go in uh, to the cabin. Uh, Jeremy's like, oh, you know, it's not exactly the romantic love nest by the ocean we were thinking of because we're hours away from the ocean by now, probably. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but it'll do, eh, Jessica? <laughs> he's, he's not exactly a... a a sophisticated would-be lover because he keeps saying things like here we are his voice heavy with meaning <laughs> alone at last oh god so appealing Ugh, he's disgusting <laughs> I know. so it really strikes Jessica that this is now and in Jeremy's mind a sex cabin oh god yes the sex condo has been dismissed it's time for the sex cabin. <laughs> yes. And we have been informed by listeners that 16 was below the age of consent in California. Now, at the time, as I know from reading just 17 every single fortnight mm. in the early 90s, <laughs> the 16 was the age of consent in the UK. I think mm. we were 17. Again, yeah. it was entirely abstract as far as I was concerned. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Not something to worry about in practice at all. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, Jeremy must know that he... This is an actual crime. Yeah. yeah. But of course, it doesn't care. 
Meanwhile, the other goons are lost in the snow. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so Liz is looking at the road. She's like, I don't remember this part, this stream. She's like, no, this isn't the right road at all to the cabin. Um, and of course, the weather is so terrible. They just can't really see properly because now suddenly the cabin's really hard to find. So yeah, definitely some kind of enchantment going on with this cabin. I'm <laughs> convinced even more so now. Um, so they realise they must have taken a wrong turn at one of the forks in the road. Uh, so Sam is like, OK, right, we'll have to do U-turn. But when she goes to, to do so, the road is really icy now um so the car spins uh they end up in a yeah. ditch like oh, it's a whole thing everyone's fine though but the engine dies and they now have a job to do to get this um this car back on the road yes. because there's snow and sleet all under the tires so when they try and get it to go yeah. they're just tires are spinning yeah. it's not working they've got they're just uh, stuck in a ditch they've got some lugging and hauling to do <laughs> and sue starts getting hysterical it's like oh my god he's gonna kill her he's gonna kill her and that's then Elizabeth literally shakes her heart. It's like, so we don't have time for this. We've we'll got to put together, this... woman. <laughs> she said, Liz says, we've got to put this car back down the road. If we die trying. And then just or Liz is like, die trying, die trying. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so she's just trying not to not to panic herself, I suppose, because mm. uh, she, she can't let herself think about what might happen to her sister <gasps> if they don't find their way to the Project Nature cabin. And soon... Well, we cut to the cabin where Jeremy has lit a fire, famous fire seen on the cover, mm-hmm. and uh, and Cressida's laptop. <laughs> and he's lit some candles, but Jessica, of course, is not in a mood in the mood for this sort of uh, pseudo romantic nonsense. Mm-hmm. And while Jeremy makes some calls on the famous cellular phone, <laughs> we see that uh, the cabin is very fancy decorated. To which I can only say. Classic project nature. I mean, those guys, they just spend all that money on decorating this cabin, I guess, because it has been fully kitted out for Christmas. There's a huge Christmas tree glittering with lights and ornaments. There's pine garlands along the mantel. Like, this is more than I do in my own house for Christmas. Um, <laughs> there's paper cut out snowflakes on the windows. So she realises there must be another party coming up for Christmas. She's like, if only someone would show up tonight. But uh, apparently it's highly improbable. Who but a madman would be out on the roads on a night like this? Um, so she's watching as Jeremy is on the phone. She hears like little snatches of conversation like you move the money a new account under what name immediate access all these like (laughs) clear bits and pieces that like he's talking to the person I guess that pulled off this hacking scam (laughs) I guess but he scribbles down some numbers or notes on a pad of paper um and yeah so he when he finishes the call Jessica's like is everything going like it's supposed to because of course she's on she's got him on tape uh, so she's trying to get him to like confess to stuff Mm. Yeah, and he says, you bet, with me, everything always goes the way it's it's supposed to. And Jessica sort of fakes flirtiness, like, oh, is that so? And uh, apparently this works. Jeremy's mood grew expansive. He was ready to boast about his exploits. And he's like, well, you know what it is. You figured me out. How did you find out about this anyway? And Jessica's like, oh, I'm about to have my secrets. And somehow Jeremy doesn't push this. Um <laughs> But she does think she, earlier when she's thinking like only a madman would he- would head out in the roads like this and thinks, is Jeremy a madman? And thinks, no, he's cold and calculating, greedy, cruel and immoral, but he wasn't a madman. I mean, if, 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 if the, <laughs> you know, pot calling cattle black, Jer- Jessica, that's all I'll say. She can't really be objective, like, properly. <laughs> but I mean, she could be described as cold, calculating, greedy, yes. cruel and immoral. I mean... And we were saying she was all of those things during the Jungle Brahm era. Very true. 
so uh yeah he's he's ready to uh to make his move but jessica sort of starts stringing him along and tries to get him to admit a few more things she's sort of surreptitiously looking at the window for the others to turn up because she's like i'll just get a bit more on tape and then the others will come in it'll all be fine they're hearing all this uh so she uh she basically works her magic and he confesses all yeah she gets him to tell her all about uh Atlanta, another girl in Gross Point, Michigan. Uh, and he's like, oh, you know, having money doesn't make a person smart. A little sweet talk. And those girls were putty in my hand. <laughs> and yeah, so she's just like, it makes her sick then to remember how fast she had fallen for Jeremy um, and all his bullshit sweet talk. So she was just like, so when you met Sue and found out her mother was about to die and make her rich, you decided she'd be your next victim. And like at this point, it's like Jessica's being slightly obvious, I feel <laughs> like with spelling everything out like this. But again, he's just so egotistical he's just like yeah it was going to be the easiest money I ever made and then uh, Mrs Gibbons changed her will and the whole thing got more and more complicated um so then Jessica's like oh but if it hadn't you wouldn't have met me so he's like yeah speaking of which so he kisses her she's trying to fake enthusiasm but he doesn't really suspect anything um so he kind of walks out and he's like you know you stay right there and make yourself comfortable um so he's like he'll be right back so Jessica is just like I guess getting over the revulsion for a second but she also runs to the window and she's like where the fuck are they because there's no sign of a car outside so now she's starting to panic yeah, and when Jeremy kissed her, he was sort of rougher than usual, mm. and it's like he felt she was in his power and he could do whatever he liked with her, which is really horrendous. Oh, it's so scary. And when she looks outside, you know, and uh, there's no sign, not only is there no sign of the car, there's no footprints in the snow, mm. which is somehow really deep now. Like, what the hell kind of weather is this? <laughs> like, she knows that they they couldn't have made it here. Yeah. Um, she ha- she's alone here and also she knows that uh, when Jeremy returns he was going to expect something from her and Jessica had a feeling he wasn't about to take no for an answer oh no like this is horrible so she does yeah. consider just like running out into the snow but then realises you know how far would she actually get like there's a full on storm going on yeah uh, he'd go after her and then who knows what would happen. So she thinks, okay, she's going to call the police. So she hopes that Sam has already called them. I mean, look, who the fuck knows? Uh, <laughs> so she hopes that they're on their way already, but she has to do something. So she picks up the phone and then notices the paper that Jeremy had been like scribbling stuff on and sees a bunch of numbers. So she's like, okay, it's a bank account number and this is where Sue's money is. So she's like, right, well, this is a pretty solid piece of evidence. Uh, so she's trying to memorize the number when Jeremy suddenly reappears. Hmm. And he roars, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, nothing. But his handsome face twisted, contorted with fury into a hideous mask. (gasps) And uh, he snarls, I knew I couldn't trust you. He uh, snarls, springing at her with his hands outstretched. You made a big mistake, Jessica Wakefield. A big mistake. Oh, God. But he springs at her, but doesn't actually get her. So no. did he just do a little jump? Just a little jump. Put his hands up. <laughs> just, just a little hop. <laughs> but yeah, so Jess is backing away. She's like, I wasn't doing anything. I was just going to call my parents. She let them know I was okay. But uh, he's obsessed with like the her, the fact that she was holding the paper with the, the number on it for the bank account. Yeah. So he's like, the paper, what were you doing with the paper? And she's like, I, I just picked it up. I don't even know what it is. But he's like, you were planning to turn me in, you stupid <gasps> girl. And he leaps towards her. So this time he actually is going to yeah. get her because Jessica like runs for the door. Um, But he catches up with her in time. She kind of kicks at him. There's a bit of kind of a 
like a scrap basically where she's yeah. clawing at the door handle um, but he's on her again and she's just like look the police are coming Sam Diamond's on her way it's not worth it um, but she tries to to wrench herself free from him uh, he kind of crashes into the Christmas tree which starts to yeah. topple over and then when she kind of jumps sideways her, her foot gets caught on a rug so she trips over and the <gasps> last thing she sees before losing consciousness is the hard corner of the wooden coffee table rising up to meet her so oh. shit for Jessica not good and within seconds, the tree is ablaze. Oh shit! <laughs> because of Jeremy's stupid candles. So uh, the the tree, the the decorations, everything's on fire. Jeremy has escaped um, the the blaze, but he looks down at Jessica's unconscious body. His eyes devoid of emotion and uh we're told that he didn't plan to either take him to the south pacific or um you know or actually kill her i'm not mm. gonna say in fairness to him but he didn't plan no. to kill her he just basically <laughs> wanted to shag her in this yes sex cabin mm-hmm. um but uh but this is kind of a perfect solution because he's really leaving no trace and he thinks that uh, I've managed to avoid murder so far, Jeremy thought, pleased with himself for being such a purist. Jesus. So Jessica's death would look like an accident and he wouldn't have to dirty his hands by actually killing her. Shit. So it does seem like he was willing to actually kill her, but this kind of saves him a job. Yeah. He didn't really want to. <laughs> no, that's true. He uh, he sort of wanted to, I'd like, yeah, he does say get rid of her before she blew his cover. And I don't know if there was if it, he was just going to like leave her locked up here or or was he going to actually murder her? Because he does, he clearly wants to avoid keep getting mm. his hands dirty. Yeah, it's unclear how, how far he was actually willing to go in terms of murder or not. But either way, this has solved a problem for her, for him, because he yes. can just walk away now. It's going to look like an accident. Uh, it's all fine. So the room is filling with smoke. He blows a kiss in her direction and says, good night, sweetheart, and like hurries off towards the door. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he dashes out into the snow, leaving Jessica behind to die in the fire. <laughs> I mean, the Ghost Rider is telling it like it is. <laughs> He does say when he leaves, sorry we never had that romantic rendezvous. (laughs) So the others finally arrive. Oh God, eventually. The cabin is ablaze Mm. and they see Jeremy making his escape and Todd tries to stop the car going but Jeremy just swerves around and drives off. Mm -hmm. So Liz realises that Jeremy was alone in the car which means Jessica must be in the burning cabin. Oh no. Yeah, so Sam is like, you can't go in there. The fire is out of control. But Liz just runs in. Um, So yeah, she runs in. Of course, the place is searing with heat. There's smoke everywhere. So she's coughing. She's tripping over stuff. Uh, There's like a big crack because a a beam is about to fall from the ceiling. Like the, the cabin is fully ablaze. Um, so somebody shoves her to the side just in time when the beam comes crashing down and it turns out it was Sue so she also (gasps) ran in as well Um, so she actually so Sue actually spots Jessica lying on the floor Um, so they realise they don't have a second to waste and the pair of them manage to drag Jessica outside yes Um, so like just as they get outside it seems like the then the second floor of the the cabin or like I guess the first floor because Americans do that differently I don't know Uh, first floor for us second floor for them (laughs) so the cabin collapses uh, it's yes. an explosion of smoke and sparks. Uh, so they really just got out in time, and it was a very close call for Jessica. And Sue meets uh, Elizabeth meets Sue's gaze, and her eyes brimming with tears, or 
are brimming with tears of gratitude and they speak to Sue without a need for words or back with no, the psychic no. messages again. You can again. just say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> there is a need for words, Liz. <laughs> Honestly. And anyway, her eyes say, thank you for saving my sister's life. <laughs> it's a very complicated blinking code. Yeah. Morse code. <laughs> yeah. Well, we cut to the hospital where Liz and Todd are telling Ned and Alice everything. Ned and Alice aren't quite as, you know, outraged at the fact that their children didn't tell any of them. And Sam didn't tell any of of this to them. Um, But Sam and Sue are having a serious conversation over in a corner. And we learn that Jessica's just been treated for smoke inhalation, but that's about Mm. it. Yeah. And uh, Alice is unsurprisingly flabbergasted. Oh God, yes, she doesn't know what to think or to feel because she realises Sue isn't the girl she thought she knew and loved, but she did recognise her mistakes and try to change the course she was on. So they are kind of, not I suppose altogether forgiving of Sue, but they do appreciate that she's, she kind of came clean just in time and and is willing to face the consequences for her own part and and all these fucking shenanigans. Um, So then they also, sorry, Sue, when Liz says, but at the end, Sue put her life on the line to save Jessica's. Maybe that doesn't make up for anything, but it means something, doesn't it? I mean, I think it kind of does make up for it. She went into a burning building and Very saved both true. Wakefield twins. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She saved Liz as well. She was shoving her out of the way when the fucking yeah. beam was coming down. So yeah, I think double twin saving probably does absolve you of an awful lot in this town. <laughs> that's your penance. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they wonder what will happen to Jeremy if he'll ever be found. And just as they hear Sue tell um, Sam Diamond, why she's not telling the cops any of this, um, but anyway, she they hear her say, I'm ready to confess, to face my punishment. But then a state trooper strides into the lounge and he's got some news. Yes, he announces that, that uh, they've found Jeremy Randall. And Jessica, or Liz, is like, what? How? Like, where did you find him? Apparently, about five miles down the highway, his car skidded off the icy road and they found him trapped in the wrecked car. Uh, so he's injured but alive and it won't be yeah. too hard to make a case against him, apparently. He's already admitted to using the names Matt Thorne and John Ryder. Um, so yeah, so they got him. That's yeah, fine. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's no, no more. It's like, but okay, fine. I mean, kind of wanted more bad things to happen to him, but I guess it's going to have to do. And it's going to happen off camera. Well, Sam, the incompetent PI, goes out to the uh, talk to the cops, who I hope give her a really serious talking to about child endangerment. Oh my God, like Sam, I kind of love you, but also please get your head screwed on. What are you doing? <laughs> Maybe find another line of work altogether, please. <laughs> and Sue is just standing there with her eyes on the floor. But then Alice, like, come here, Sue. And uh, then Alice holds her arms out and Sue rushes into her embrace and says, oh, Alice, can you ever forgive me? And Alice strokes her hair with her own eyes shining with tears and whispers, of course I can. And that's it for Sue. That's the end of that. (laughs) I think we'll never see her again either. Oh God, who knows? I am looking forward to what happens in the next book because I'm just like, how are they going to address any of this? <laughs> oh, will it be a kind of year zero situation? Oh, but who knows? Um, so Liz goes into Jessica and she's all emotional because she sees uh, her twin just lying there with her eyes closed. Uh, but of course, uh, she, and she whispers, we came so close to losing you. But then Jessica just pops up out of the bed. It's like, there you are. Can I leave now? <laughs> yeah. So Liz is like, well, you know, maybe 
take it easy for a bit. You literally just went through a very traumatic experience. Then they want to observe you for a while. But she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just give me my clothes. Um, but then she gets a coughing fit and is like, OK, maybe I maybe I should actually calm down slightly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're like Liz is about to get tearful, I think, because she's just like, oh, God, we got to you just in time. Um, and Jessica is still kind of beating herself up a bit about being so wrong about Jeremy and you know how could you have been so stupid mm. um but yeah so Liz is like you know you know you're you're not the most logical person under the best of circumstances and when you're in love <laughs> kind of trails off but uh, yeah. Jessica's taking it all very well she's like oh I don't know if I was ever really in love I was infatuated sure um but yeah she kind of admits that look he had obviously had all the lines and moves down because he'd had so much practice so Liz is like oh you know you and Sue have learned some hard lessons and they wonder what's going to happen to her um and Jessica so- is really sympathetic for Sue she is, in fairness, because she yeah. she does wonder, like, what what literally what will happen to her now. But Liz yeah. reckons that the the fake kidnapping and ransom demand thing apparently is a pretty serious offence. What um, is the the offence? Again, it was her money. I don't know. <laughs> but apparently, the fact that she's willing to cooperate, Liz reckons, in her expert opinion, that uh, <laughs> they'll go easy on her. <laughs> and Jessica says that Sue is a good person inside, unlike Jeremy. And she thinks she'll never be able to trust a guy again. And Liz is like, sure you will if he's the right guy. And uh, Jessica wants to know how she'll be able to tell that. And Liz very sensibly says, you'll just have to get to know him a little before you fall head over heels crazy in love. And never a a wiser word spoken (laughs) in this series. I know. And just like rolls her eyes and laughs. It's like, oh, sensible advice from my sensible sister. (laughs) So uh, Jessica declares she feels totally better now and she plans to leave right away because Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of boys, something just occurred to her. Yeah, she reckons it's not too late for her to meet Ken at the Mistletoe Madness dance. (laughs) And that... Hallelujah. Oh, we did it. We made it. Hallelujah. So proud of us. Great job, everybody. <laughs> that is the end of Deadly Christmas, of the Love and Lies miniseries oh. or Deceptions or whatever the hell they're calling it yeah. this week. Thank it God. is over. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, thank God. Woof. <laughs> Seriously, it's been an endurance test. Thank you for being with us, listeners, oh, on this. Thank you. Sitting with us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we should thank ourselves for actually having the fortitude you know to what? read all these terrible books. Fair play to us. Great job, Anna. We're doing amazing. <laughs> well, we got so engrossed in it somehow that we managed to forget oh. to give you our uh, little cross promo that we usually do in the middle of the uh, of the oh. episodes. Yep. <laughs> but actually, this time we are telling you about. Uh, the podcast studios themselves. Yes. Uh, and more specifically, Culture Night, which, oh, I love Culture Night. Culture Night's great. Um, oh, one time, actually, I did a tour of the Freemasons Hall for Culture <gasps> Night. Oh. Because they do that. Yeah, it was find really their secrets. Good. Although the guy, but this is the thing, the guy that was showing us around kept insisting, oh, you know, we're just a bunch of Boy Scouts. Nothing weird goes on here. And it was like, yeah, right. You're totally lying to our faces. Like, I can see a trapdoor over there. What's going on? But it was <laughs> Look at really that throne. <laughs> Yeah, you can't fool us. We know you're up to something. But still, anyway, Culture Night is great. (laughs) 
uh, yes, so, and it's September 22nd this year. So yes, for the podcast studios are doing a podcaster for a day event. So throughout the evening, uh, you can just drop in and work with a producer to record your own five minute podcast in the <gasps> lovely studios. Uh, so the podcast then will be professionally edited and sent to the podcaster that evening. So you can share it with your family and friends. So it's going on from five o'clock till nine. Uh, yeah, in, in Dublin City Centre. It's like McGinnis Place is where the uh, the podcast studios are yeah. it's really easy to find but it's yeah, just so up here street it's a really fucking cool thing to do for culture night um and you can have a little more information about it here now here at the podcast studios we're opening our doors to everyone this culture night come see the place where your favorite headstuff shows are made get behind the scenes access learn about production and record your very own five minute podcast this is an opportunity not to be missed Join us on Friday, 22nd of September. Register on eventbrite.ie or see the Culture Night website for details. We look forward to seeing you there. And now, back to Sweet Valley. Though, if you uh, wait a few minutes, you'll find out another way to visit the podcast studios. Oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we always love hearing from you and we'd love to know what you think about the end of this godforsaken series. You're so glad to be rid of it. You skipped my stats and outfits. How dare you? Oh my God, I'm so (laughs) confused. Well, seriously, this series has sent us into a state of great confusion. We forgot the cross promo. I forgot we hadn't done stats and outfits. Please share them because I I think we we need some security and structure in this crazy world. Some stability for God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, the consistency has gone out the window in these books and also with the show. (laughs) (laughs) So the stats, yes, okay, stats. The Wakefield Blondness got seven mentions this time around, which is pretty Mm. solid. Uh, The Blue Green Eyes only got three mentions. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, Jeremy's Blondness got two mentions, which is actually very few considering how much it's mentioned in other books in this series. Uh, And his dark eyes got three mentions. So that puts him on a par for eye colour mentions with the twins. That is an outrage. I know it is, truly. Uh, People's voices go husky five times and that is mostly Jeremy and Jessica. Uh, I know, it's horrible. Uh, People blush 17 times. What? A lot of blushing in this one. They're blushing, they're flushing, they've got colour creeping up their cheeks, all different ways of putting it, but it's all blushing. Uh, And people's eyes are pure disco ball mode in this book. (gasps) People's eyes flash six times. Oh my Uh, God. They sparkle twice and they glint twice. So there's some very distracting eye action going on all the Glinting's way kind of a new thing like Glinting we've had flashing but mm. we've had sparkling obviously we have. But... we've had glittering as well previously and twinkling actually the, the twins are big suspects for twinkling usually <laughs> <laughs> no twinkling this time <laughs> Uh, then the outfits so we have Jessica trying to decide between her two unsexy outfits from her wardrobe now that she's creeped out by Jeremy Uh, so she holds up when she's going on the date she holds up uh, two dresses a sleeveless navy blue knit dress with an elastic waist is one which like that's that's quite grand back in trend now (laughs) yeah Uh, and the other option is a scoop neck loose casual bright orange t-shirt dress uh, also yeah. feels quite 2023. Honestly, it really does. Uh, but anyway, she opts for the navy dress in the end with a wheat coloured linen jacket, sandals and very little makeup. Whoa, well, you know something's <laughs> up. 
<laughs> Something's not right. She might as well wear a watch and call herself Elizabeth. Get <laughs> um, Lila turns up to the gallery opening uh, uh, wearing an elegant raw silk skirt suit. <laughs> young executive. Young, young executive. executive. <laughs> That's who she is now. Um, now we know the concept of the young oh, executive. It just yeah. you see it everywhere. It's everywhere. It explains the chinos. It's just so much can be put down to the young executive trend of Sweet Valley. The chinos um, are casual Friday for the young executives. Yes, you're right because they're hitting the links course afterwards. <laughs> um, so then on on Sweet Valley Christmas color day or whatever, so like that God, was, Todd turns up wearing white jeans and a spruce green polo shirt <laughs> white jeans white what teenage boy in white 1994 jeans. had white jeans no Todd absolutely not uh, Liz uh, of course is standing out because she hasn't adhered to the colour scheme and is wearing a short denim skirt and a purple mock turtleneck so letting the side down I mean I, I I feel that we actually I suppose we did get some good outfits from Jessica and Lila, but mm. um yeah, we got really, all the like the sexy underwear gown situations <laughs> in the first half of this book. But yeah, it's all very kind of regular, regular outfits. And also Jessica going out of her way to not look appealing. True. <laughs> that God too. love her. Oh, and then other than that, I think it was just oh yeah, when Sam turns up in her Burberry raincoat, oh, yes. uh, we're told that she's wearing heels and a stylish feminine suit. Her makeup and accessories are perfect. Of course they are. If only you spent a bit more time on your job. <laughs> the, the one thing she's good at is putting a look together. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> well, listeners, were you as dazzled by the sparkly guys as we were? <laughs> Do let us know what you thought of Deadly Christmas Part 2 and your feelings on being free of this horrendous nonsense um, at last. <laughs> you know where to find us. We are on Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at SVH Podcast, where you had plenty to say. Um, Lil Stargazer did tell us that 16 was not legal. Um, she was a teenager in California in the 90s. Ned was really slacking off. Mm-hmm. And a few listeners told us about curfews for, oh, yeah. for teens which seems absolutely fucking batshit it really, really <laughs> does footloose yeah. like what is happening it's happening yeah it was plucky insolence uh, yeah. saying there was a town curfew I didn't know about when I was 17 and my boyfriend was 18 only four months older than me a cop stopped us just walking down the street after 10pm and asked my age I had to claim to be born a year earlier than I was to keep the boyfriend from getting in trouble the cop seemed satisfied and left satisfied and left us to keep walking like what <laughs> Little Stargazer said the 10pm curfew thing started right when I turned 18 and I was the oldest of my friends. Basically, if I was driving them home after 10, it was fine. But other than that, this is absolute madness. When I was 16, my friends and I, like we weren't even drinking, but we were going into like indie clubs in town Mm. and walking home at 10, two o'clock in the morning. Like the (laughs) idea that we would have been arrested for that is just unhinged. Mad. Well, oh, Gen B skills had a very good point to make about <laughs> Jeremy's uh, quick thinking. Oh, 
Oh my God, this is so good. Yes. So Jen says, are we meant to believe that after Jessica witnessed the kiss between Jeremy and Sue, that Jeremy then panic recorded a bunch of Cookie Monster kidnapping tapes, convinced Sue to go along with this scheme and then raced back to the Wakefield house to tell the twins he couldn't find Sue as much as I can't stand him. He is quick on his feet. (laughs) And then credit where credit's due. (laughs) That was a lot to fit in. Wasn't it? Like, it's a very good point. (laughs) Well, Casey JV and or Casey J Vand uh, was very sad at some news that we we got in the last book. Yes, uh, they were devastated that Ken and Terry broke up, one of the few non-toxic relationships at SVH, which is a very fair point. But then Sister Betty Confetti pointed out that's why they broke up. That healthy commitment shit doesn't fly in Sweet Valley. (laughs) I think Anne Foster, not that one, spoke for us all when she said, "Okay, am I missing something here? But what the fuck is Jeremy's plan? Why couldn't he and Sue just break up for two months, then get back together? Where did Jessica ruins the wedding of it all? Why did any of this happen? Why was it a three to five part miniseries? Why? <laughs> yes, all extremely solid points. We are also asking ourselves the same question. It doesn't make any sense. Um, somebody did ask if we got a Thanksgiving in this book. As you can see, we don't. So no. sorry, KW Thomas Fuchs. <laughs> You are right when you say uh, that when I reread the Marco books, I realised for the first time a sweet baddie is like some kind of weird Narnia where it's always Christmas and never Thanksgiving. God, it's so true. Uh, Yeah. And as ever, the Tag Yourself thread was simply fucking amazing. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. So we had, okay, we're not going to be able to read some of these out because there's literally like 40 of them and they're all absolute gold. So it's well worth just seeking out the thread because they're all great. But yes, Richard Chinchilla said... I am Christmas in Sweet Valley, which, unlike its sex education deprived residents, definitely comes more than once a year. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Little Stargazer said, I am Bruce's sex alcove, be- feeling desperately envious of Jeremy's sex condom. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> I have to give a little shout out to Laura Finn, who elsewhere in the comments said, "Sex condo? I thought they closed that place down." <laughs> Fantastic. Gen uh, B's guilds again chimed in to say, "I'm Chekhov's battery, eagerly awaiting my return." <laughs> um, Oh, Plucky Insolence uh, actually gave us some continuity effort because she said, I'm the ghostwriter's notes from book number 25, Nowhere to Run, which includes the Snitches Get Stitches team code and the New Hampshire Mall, where the twins went with their visiting grandparents. Oh my God. Like they get that right and literally nothing else about this series. (laughs) Um, uh, the um, Maria Teresa Biblioteca said I'm the newest hit by the droids where Dina Dana by certain Larson's trademark husky voice and tones did you know how much you chatter me with your lies and deception and flattery you charge died to soon a calamity I guess that's why I call you Chekhov's battery It's just amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Maria Teresa. Oh, this was spectacular. Oh, 
the whole god sister betty confetti said i'm the police officer from from svpd svu who is responsible for investigating jeremy the nonce i don't appear in this book and that's a big fucking problem (laughs) (laughs) the livy grad said i'm the tingling thrill that raises up your body after you've been lying alone in your bed and (laughs) thinking about your boyfriend yeah Thinking. Mm. <laughs> Miranda Gian said, I'm the hundreds of results on Infomax when you type in Elizabeth Wakefield. <laughs> meow cats, meow said, I'm the hairbrush Jessica uses to groom herself while whooping everyone out of her mind except Jeremy. News <laughs> from Nihon said, I man Shirley's pill bottle in desperate need of a refill after reading this book. <laughs> KW Thomas made a books made a very good point. I'm Joanna Porter, Annie Whitman, and Betsy Martin wondering why Jessica gets to be, quote, a woman while I was was branded as trash. Oh god, such a good point. Oh and a very good point about uh about another element of this book where Megan Morris said, I'm Stephen Wakefield, lordly sleeping on the couch during my Christmas break and recording episodes of Friends over important evidence just to feel something because my parents have let some rando move into my room for months on end. Oh, poor Stephen. Oh god, okay. We're gonna have to like leave it there. Because we also have other things to tell people about. <laughs> oh, that's true. But do go and read the rest because there are so, oh, so, so many much. funny ones. <laughs> and it's just magnificent. It's so I think we can finish with the, the com- quoting comments with the news from Nihon, who spoke for us all when she said, you had me at sex condo. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, as we hinted earlier, you might have an opportunity to visit the podcast studios. Well, yes, and what what better reason to do so than a fucking live show? We're back, baby! (laughs) Yes, four years, bloody hell. (laughs) After we were joined by the wonderful Louise O'Neill to uh, discuss the winter carnival, we are... Getting a little spooky for Ooh. episode 137. I mean, we had to do something. It's a big number. I feel like Jessica has forgotten it's her favorite number, but we still remember. <laughs> so, so episode 137 had to be something cool. So it's going to be our Halloween special and it's going to be a live show. So we're super excited about that. It's going to be on in the podcast studios so you can come along there. Uh, yeah, and it's just it's going to be the crack. Glad it's going to be great. And if you cannot make it to Dublin, because we know that the majority of you are in another country, um, (laughs) you will be able to watch it live. Yes, there's going to be a live stream uh, as well. So, yeah, it's all super exciting. We're absolutely buzzing. And we have a wonderful guest. We have the wonderful, spooky and talented (laughs) Amy Clarkin is going to join us. So she's a brilliant YA author and we're going to have a real fun, spooky time talking about a super thriller. Yes, and we know Amy is a Sweet Valley devotee. So uh, she, you know, like Louise before her, she is uh, she's an expert guest, and she <laughs> she will be joining us for uh, I guess the closest we can get to spookiness, because the true horror of Sweet Valley, as we all know, is Nicholas Morrow. <laughs> the man is a menace. <laughs> 
So yes, the plan is that we are going to chat about uh, what's it called again? No place to hide. Something like no that. place to hide. Yes, <laughs> yes. So it's going to be spooky. It's going to be Halloweeny. It's the twenty sixth of October. Uh, we're going to put all the ticket details and stuff in the show notes, so you can check it all out there. I think like general on sale for the tickets is going to be like Friday night. So there's actually a pre-sale because we're basically Taylor Swift. We've decided. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be a pre-sale for our PBA gang until midnight on Friday. So there's going to be uh, codes and stuff in your emails. We're, we're figuring it all out at the minute. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then general on sale will be at the weekend. So we're going to be posting all the links all over the place. So you'll be able to grab your tickets uh, and do join us because we're going to go full Lila Fowler and even do a costume contest. Oh yeah, we will. So, you know, <laughs> is somebody going to come dressed as Bruce's Porsche? Is somebody going to come dressed as Princess Di? I mean, I mean the, there's so many opportunities to do so many iconic moments. If someone dresses so a clown, dressed- I, I'm going to burst into tears and run away. <laughs> <laughs> Will we get a Margot? Will we get a Luke? The Cookie Monster? <laughs> Just, you know, there's endless things <laughs> to throw together. It's going to be such fun. <laughs> Bring a bag of cans. Well, actually, we'll have to check. Are you allowed bringing bag of cans? I think you probably are. Like we did, we did last time. We'll, we'll find out yeah. though. We'll we'll uh, we'll post all the details all over the place. But uh, yeah, twenty sixth of October. Do join us. It's going to be great fun. Episode one hundred and thirty seven. Like, come on, can't go wrong. We have to do something. <laughs> yeah. Well, between now and then, our schedule is going to be uh, a little off because we are both going on holiday this ah. month. But don't worry, you will not have to go for a single week without some Sweet Valley nonsense in your ears. So, of course, um, our Pi Beta Alpha sisters are, uh, are, are, you know, waiting for a bonus episode next week. But things are going to be a little sort of out of out of kilter, shall we say. Yeah. Just, a little, I mean, look, the books are completely out of kilter, so we get to be out of kilter oh, too sometimes. So, so, yeah, I think next week is going to be potentially a fanfic drops yes. those who enjoyed Anna's delightfully deranged <laughs> Sweet Valley fanfic what was it called again from here to Sweet from Valley from here to Sweet Valley oh, so everybody so will good. be able to access that uh, mm-hmm. next week and then the week after that will be the next PBA episode yes. that's right yes so yeah we're going to have something something somewhere in one of the feeds at least for you every week uh, but I think yeah it's going to be early October before we can get to uh, to Jessica Quits the Squad which is our next yes. book in the series uh, but yeah because Anna's going on holidays then I'm going on holidays so we're, we're just trying to figure out how to uh, how to give you something <laughs> each <Yes>. week <laughs> well I think we're we're going to give you a little uh, at least one week we're going to release for everybody's delectation our recap of when the TV series did the Pom Pom Wars um, which is our next book so you know yes. you'll There'll, there'll be something to entertain you in your feed every week if you're a PBA member and every second week if you are uh, a regular listener who we also very much appreciate. But oh, 100%, yes. If if you would like to join our non-toxic sorority, <laughs> which is open to people of all genders, you can, of course, join Pi Beta Alpha by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yes, if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up for as little as five euro a month and that'll give you access to all our bonus content. And now is probably quite a good time to join because there is like a good two and a half seasons of stuff there with PBA where we're chatting about the Sweet Valley High TV series and having an absolute ball doing so. It's great. Fun. Oh my God, so much fun. Um, 
and yeah, you have a big backlog to to work through if you if you sign up now. And of course, you will be supporting us doing this podcast, which of course is a labour of love. But we very much appreciate all of you who uh, who sign up and and to give us a. A few few shillings every month because <laughs> uh, it really does make a difference. And obviously we understand that not everybody has uh, the means or the inclination to do that. But if you would like to, you know, support the show, you can, of course, give us a review uh, where uh, a positive one, please. Don't revise any of your old bat- of your own positive ones to, you know, tone them down. You know, I thought I held grudges, but you were really <laughs> clinging on to this. <laughs> I will never forget <laughs> I might forget, but I won't forgive. <laughs> but yeah, like free ways to help the show are fully like yeah, leaving us a review, sharing our silly Instagram posts, like telling a friend who you think might be into this. All that stuff really does help us out as well. So look, we appreciate all of you so much. And thank you for coming on this crazy journey with us. And especially this particular mini series, because my God, that was a slog. <laughs> oh, it truly was. But there are brighter days ahead. <laughs> And uh, we might have to wait a little while for them, yeah. but um, you know, you'll have something to entertain you in the meantime. And uh, we do feel the need to flee the country after yeah. going through that whole love and lies five yeah. part, three part. It's true trilogy. Sometimes you just need to stand in the supermarket aisle of a country that is not your own and just look at some nice crisps or oh a pharmacy in your case because I know you dig a, a foreign chemist. I love a foreign chemist. Um, <laughs> I will be in Vienna. Um, I can't remember if their chemists are as good as the French ones but I cannot wait to find out. <laughs> you will certainly investigate. <laughs> I'll buy a little Tannenbaum in honour oh. of Jeremy's victim. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> So we, uh, yeah, we will not see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters next week. You'll all be getting the next part of From Here to Sweet Valley. So you can see <laughs> what happens when, uh, when the denizens of Sweet Valley start gathering for their school reunion um, in the, frankly, feverish fanfic <laughs> written by me in my, when I was back in my 20s. It's literally <laughs> 20 years old, this fanfic. <laughs> but it's still better than, you know most of what we just read at the minute. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not blowing my own trumpet when I say 100%. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, you'll be able to enjoy that and our private alpha sisters will uh, will see how Jessica copes in a post-AJ world uh, next week. They had Christmas last week there too, but, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> time is flat circle. So uh, I don't think we'll ever hear AJ's name mentioned again. No. <laughs> so... In the mists of time. <laughs> I mean, literally in a month. Oh God, yeah. Even though you will all get something to entertain you in the meantime. Yeah, so it won't feel like that long, we promise. There will be stuff in the feed. It's going to be grand. <laughs> but when you're finally returning to the main timeline, it's time to give us a, a D. Ooh. Give us an L. It's double love. Are heading to the cheer squad when we find out what happens when Jessica quits the squad. Ooh. <laughs> Book one in a thrilling three-part miniseries. Mm, well, it says we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> it says get ready for cheerleading madness. I tell you, I could really do with some cheerleading madness after all this. <laughs> oh, I think we all could. <laughs> I look forward to it. (laughs) See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) 
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.